What's happening, sir? Word up, brother. Yeah, that's what I was trying. The long, long pause. <laughs> Dude, I'm tired of this shit. What's that? Tired of this not opening these shows with any fucking drama. Oh, I'm, I'm, I do everything I can to avoid drama at all costs. <laughs> Fucking A, do you realize how that doesn't help me? Right. Now we got drama. Now we got conflict. All right, check it out. Listen, we're making a podcast. Guess what the fuck we're going to need? You, we've been through this before, man. Right. Walk with purpose. You got something on your mind? Say it, right? Yeah. You're, you're not on hard ice now. Right. <laughs> nah, everything's going, unfortunately, I guess, for your podcast, everything's going pretty <laughs> Uh, I kid. I I, 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 I kid. I, I completely kid about this. I don't need drama. Yeah, we, I mean, we all got our own bullshit, of course, but, you know, you're going to talk about it. And I mean, I guess everybody can relate. Like, wow, I have the same bullshit too. But yeah, you know, maybe we're all the same cosmic stardust. That's exactly where I'm at. Like, we're all, we're all dealing with the same bullshit, the same drama. I mean, I hanging to... around Mark Longenecker too much as well, then. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> the older I get, I can definitely feel my hippie vibes coming out. <laughs> well, there's something good about that, I got to figure. Well, I guess it's just from being through so much chaos, you know, throughout, you know, my almost 40 years now that it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm done with that. Let's take a break. It's Stop winter. swimming upstream. Exactly. It's winter. It's cold. Let's hang out inside. And Wait, hang. does that mean but, you quit your your workout regimen? I know you're a stickler uh, for it. Uh, I yeah, that is something that did stop, but that was some injuries had caused that. Okay. Um, that actually some injuries that were affecting my tattooing potentially. So shoulder, I had to, rotor cuff, what? Yes, sir. It was well. I have a a pinched nerve in my neck that runs all the way down through the medial nerve into my hand. Oh. So uh, that was that was an issue for a little while there at the end of summer. Like numb hand feeling or too yeah, long like, in one spot and you start feeling it? My my thumb and index finger and middle finger, you know, that's what the medial nerve controls. So those fingers would literally lose feeling. I and could, that's I am could, I jumping ahead too. to say that's when you started your fans only page. Absolutely. That is when <laughs> Hornets. is it really here not <laughs> oh it is not I, I never actually started i did i did make a page oh come on damn it you didn't do it though <laughs> during, i seen during, one post during covid yes mm -hmm. during COVID, when i'm stuck in the house for like three months wasn't tattooing uh pretty much everything in, that i enjoyed in life was taken away from me um i'm not fucking very, very <laughs> so like the gym you know Training, jujitsu, working out, tattooing, concerts. That was pretty much all I ever did. And that was just completely gone. So then, you know, the idle mind is a devil's playground. So it's like, hey, let's make myself a porn star. <laughs> you, and it got tiring too quick. Oh, no, I, I don't think I'll ever tire of that. Um, <laughs> It got, but you're not doing the, you're not doing the fans now. only anymore. I was out there, and I had a couple 
couple close friends talk to me like, is that, is that really who you want to be now? You know, <laughs> and it's not uh, that I'm, I'm shy of it, but it's just like, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to be like both well, things, I guess. Well, how about this? Maybe whole, you know the, better than me. You, the whole, you've that, tried it. It's everywhere. And then like mm-hmm. also this, you know, porn guy. I think it's different for women. I feel like women can pull both off. Because you're like, also a family man. Yeah, I feel like women can pull both off, but then when it comes to like a man, it's kind of just like, eh, that guy's just a fucking creep. You know? Like, uh, well, yeah, maybe. I don't know that women, may, maybe women can a little bit, but there's, it depends on who you're listening to, right? Because yeah, there's women around at the coffee table, the water cooler, and they're not letting that shit slide. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the audience and I guess the the circle you run in, but everybody has their little dark secrets and things that make them tick. And sometimes I feel like maybe for me, I'm just going to keep that to myself a little bit, you know, a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, damn it. There's nothing to promote for you there. I was I thought we were going to try and fucking exploit this shit and get you out there to the world. Right. Fucking um, Dom Pe- Petticore's picture would be replaced with a face and no longer and it would be your fans only page blurred out <laughs> oh, well. oh you know, I, so much so much for the drama that's even stopped huh? i'm very supportive of people that do that type of work and um have a few friends that are that you know are involved in those things and it's mm-hmm. great i'm in no way whatever like you know look down on anybody for their career choice um Maybe heroin dealers, not a big fan of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Besides that, you know, I'm pretty you know, supportive of people's choices. Very uh your daughter then knows that you had this page at one point. You're a private you're a public guy well, as well. How did yeah. she did she tell you not to or is she worried? Well, I, I I created the page, but I never actually like put any content on there or made it fully like public so people could find it. I created right. it and I never like activated it. Um, I did <laughs> probably what you had seen. I had posted kind of like a voting kind of thing. Like, Hey, is this a good idea? Should I do this? Would people view it? Um, yep. And I got very mixed reactions. I got tons of people like, hell yeah, do it. Like go for it. I'd subscribe. You know, we got a lot of that. And then I got mm-hmm. other people that were actually, you know, closer to me that know me, care about me, understand me. Like, we're like, ah, oh, this is probably not the best idea you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm still on the fence. I'm still about it. You know, I'm still like, oh, I think it would still be fun. And that's mostly what I do things for. It's not even like, oh, I'll make money this way. It's more <laughs> of a, like, this could have been a fun interaction, you know, with people or whatnot. That's that's kind of what I was looking for. Just yep. something to pass the time. Something that it seems, I mean, it. one level, I, it could be more to question the people close with you, the, you know, uh, on who, who they are, I guess. Uh, maybe they're saying to you, is this really who you want to be? Yeah, but absolutely. you could also put that back in their court, right? Tennis play. This would be like, well, if this is who I am, and then does that then determine who we are? Is that what you're saying? Like, this is a deal breaker? And if it is... I kind of feel like maybe that's the deal breaker. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I don't, I don't think so, but I did have some experiences with like those same people talking to me about like, eh, you know, maybe think about it a little more. 
Um, mm-hmm. Then here, overhearing them talk about other people that maybe had them, and the things they were saying weren't that good, you know. Right. But it's they're like I didn't share those opinions. Mm-hmm. My, my opinions are more like like let them live. Like, yeah, there's those that will be prudish, right? Yeah, and then they have every right to be, and they're not wrong. You know, that's my thing. Like, if you are prudish and you have that opinion, you're one hundred percent correct. But like, <laughs> right. Maybe, you know, my my opinion's correct as well. This sounds like some true wisdom coming from you, like you, some learned wisdom here. Really, yeah, it's something I've kind of figured out. Like, I've always been pretty opinionated on things. I'm still opinionated on, but I do also understand that that opinion. Yeah, but you right. sound more like water now. You've taken the Bruce Lee approach. Oh, one thousand. <laughs> yeah, I take the shape of whatever bowl, whatever container and chalice I'm in. Um, it's just I've become a much happier person with that outlook instead of trying to like you were like you said sw- uh, swimming upstream. That's amazing. I used to be that guy. Like if I'm in a room of people and everybody thinks one thing, I will be like a <laughs> dick. You know, just to just to make myself stand out almost. Maybe you know, just maybe it was an ego thing. Mm-hmm. I need to stand out, go against the grain, just to make myself noticed. But now, or so- maybe it's even an anger, no? That like, wow, all you guys are agreeing, but some of you ain't really honest. You can't be all in that kind of agreement. Yeah, so, how yeah. about I just go off to the other side and be like, you know what? Fuck all of you. Let's play devil's advocate. Devil's advocate is one of my favorite games, especially when, uh, like, <laughs> oh, that makes the- that makes a lot of friends too. Yeah, absolutely. I had a <laughs> simple one that happened not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, because I, I was just, I had time and something kind of bothered me. And it was just, a simple opinion of like, hey, I was going to go to this store to buy this item, but mm-hmm. they were closed or like I got there too late, whatever reason I wasn't able to make it. Um, and this was a client in the shop that wasn't my client, but they overheard me and goes, oh, that store is awful. I always go to this one. And I just <laughs> went, well, what makes it awful? Mm. And she was, uh, uh, um, um. Like she couldn't give me an answer. Well, people don't like to be pressed for proof on their opinions in many cases. Right? That was that was my entire point there, and that I even said to her after she couldn't answer my question, I said everybody has a favorite or something that they prefer. Hmm. She had her favorite store that she preferred. Maybe she had a friend that worked there. Whatever her reasoning doesn't mean the other one's terrible. It just means you like the other one better. You know, because you couldn't give me a reason why the other was terrible. Nah, <laughs> pretty sure it means the other one's terrible. Right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, I, it, but to change the the their person's perception is that a worthwhile pursuit? I imagine you're getting to the age where you realize, at one point, even though that may be the truth, you're not going to change their perception. And instead, they're just going to go find other people that will quickly and readily agree with them. Like, yes, these are the droids we're looking for. No, this is the store we hate. The, the two different type of human being, I, I suppose, because that I, I tried to like give her a little perspective. And my thing was like she was super young. And I was like, hey, why don't you look at it this way? And I compared it to the chicken sandwich battle. Chick-fil-A, Popeye's, you know, all the different all the companies across for like all the different companies that came out with chicken sandwiches at the same time. 
Mm. And there was all the social media battles of this chicken sandwich was better than this chicken sandwich. It's like, I was just sitting back going, why can't we just all enjoy chicken sandwiches? Like I will eat a chicken sandwich from any of these restaurants. <laughs> it doesn't mean I have to dog the other one just because I prefer this one. Now you make me think, though, just of advertisement. Absolutely. Like, would would you rather have advertisements like that reined in a little bit? Where, um, in in I think it is Iceland. This is a, a, tr- a for real thing. You cannot say you are like the best chocolate in the world, or even in Iceland, or even in you know some other place. You cannot make claims of like the best cereal or the best. You know, and so. I think the one thing you can make a claim on being the best is comedians. Like you can be like, I'm the best comedian in the world, but only because that is understood to be satire. But also, would that, would, would that be an extreme applied to America? Would you see that here and be happy about it? You think? Well, that's where, I mean, you were, we were, I guess like on the same path there. I was like, that's a slippery slope because, you know, here in America, we're very big on that free speech. Time. That First Amendment free speech. You yeah, can claim- free speech for corporations too. Yeah, that's where it gets tricky because the corporate to me, corporations run everything anyway. Um, well, so who they're- don't they run it run everything for? I'm going to challenge you on that. I'll play your devil's advocate for a second. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you know, the me- media, especially, is a corporation. as a money making enterprise. We all. We all take part in it, but they have a huge responsibility. They they can very they can change the you know platforms of everything. Um, yeah, know, watch if, watch Trump supporters are pretty soon going to turn on him because yeah. of his antics that he will be forced to continue to use the same types he's used successfully in the past. But be, in my belief, because of the change of the temperature of the media corporation heads of Fox News going towards DeSantis as he tries to destroy these people, they will uh, control the mindset to see it differently. Absolutely. And then interesting, I don't know, then a force comes to be like, well, he's gone off, he's changed now or something. I I look forward to seeing how this plays out. Absolutely. And to me, it's, it's all entertainment. Um, I actually had this talk in the shop when I was tattooing uh, the other day with a client and he had just mentioned, you know, president Joe Biden. And I'm very, I'm interested in politics. I listen to it. I read it. I watch it. Um, I don't have a strong stance in any way with most things. Um, I mean, human rights, things like that. Of course I have very strong stance, but I don't pick a side rather, Mm -hmm. you know, not like, Oh, I'm, I'm a Republican. So I'm going to re, you know, agree with Republicans, you know, point of view on this or Democratic. I'm going to agree with their point of view here. It's I just had my own point of views with each thing, not the policies so much. But um, I was just talking about Trump's selves. And I believe there's a stand-up comedian that has a bit about this as well. But Trump sells. Biden doesn't. Uh, Trump, Trump made a lot of people a lot of money. Uh, when it came to like media, media moguls, media people, because it was entertaining, whether you love them or whether they hate them, you watched it. You yeah, wanted, you wanted to see tuned in. I did, man. Absolutely. Doesn't matter what side of it you're on. You're like, I can't believe this asshole said this or of the man because he said this. 
and but, Biden, I don't even care. No but, offense, Biden, but you're boring as shit. I, I do like, I just heard a bit of the State of the Union. I was listening to that last night for a while. It was kind of boring, but I did like uh, trying to get his, folks, I'm not joking here. Right. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Come but, on, man. Yeah, that's what but, it is. <laughs> but like, I think for, my question was, where's Joe Biden? Mm-hmm. When, like, from, what was it, uh, 2016 to 2020, you couldn't turn on the TV, you couldn't open your phone, you couldn't do anything without seeing Trump's face, hearing a soundbite, seeing a headline. Couldn't escape oh, yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> no. I think there was a fatigue that occurred that people discounted, especially the ones that saw their imagined mass fraud, uh, as it were, inside of the election cycle. I think that they didn't count on people getting fed up with seeing too much of that. Yes. And, and even that, seeing that he loved it. Like, that was the worst part about it. You're like, he, it's it's like watching a pig bathe in mud or something, you know? You're like, look how fucking much he loves that filth. Or yeah. a dog. That's what it's like. It's like watching a dog rolling cat shit. You take him yeah. for a fucking walk. <laughs> you got to get him in the car again. You're off on a nice little stroll. And somebody's cat was out just strayed shit right by the side. And he starts jumping in it. And you're like, oh! And he just loves it. You just look how much he loves it. But, you know, as soon as, as soon as we had a new president, that whole industry went away. You know, that that political media, like... Well, I the power I, of it, right? I think the industry, they're still clamoring for power. And so to some people that they really have their ear and their opinion, they're able to tune that phrase, you know, and I hear it from a lot of people when they start talking about Joe Biden, like he's this evil entity in in dark shadows rubbing his hands together you know what i mean and sniffing young girl's hair or (laughs) don't trust that he's in charge in art what's that uh i know in charge i said i don't don't, uh i don't think biden i don't think people actually believe that he's the president like yes he is the title of the president but i think with him people truly believe even if you voted for him i think you truly believe that there's people behind him making him say well, what he says and on one part that, you can see that as conspiracy but on another you can yes. see that as important consensus and also, that's the way politics is supposed to work that's why right but we definitely know that donald trump we part of the most exciting part about him was we knew he was not going off political consensus he was not he's like what's your opinion oh yeah well let's try this instead fuck it the reason the president has a cabinet is for that to have guidance Mm -hmm. to have perspective from different points of views because then you have a dictatorship which some claim you know the previous guy may have been trying to do because well, there's a more similarities many people point out yeah. to me that donald trump was a businessman and i get that but i don't know that an american democracy is best in the hands of a businessman because yeah. business does not necessarily respect democracy but more authoritarianism yes. it seems to produce better when people have the ability to cut heads and That's and watch one. you roll one guy run the show yeah because i mean just at the stamp to approve everything mm-hmm. in a, like in a ceo kind of way and not unlike us as people when we were hunter gatherers or imagined that uh we didn't that the men 
typically do not have the ability. This is the theory, at least. I don't know if they've disproven it yet. My son would probably Google this and make me an idiot. But as long as we're listening to the same right people minded people, listen, uh, they, they said that the mindset of the man was unable to think of emotional things at the same time as logical things. So that while in the chasing a predator or whatever, or not a predator, but tracing prey, um, they could make decisions decisively as opposed to indecision that might mean that they don't head the fucking animal off the pass and eat. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, and so have- the same goes somewhat right. for business in that respect, right? Yes. And a, a lot of that, which actually I, I've, I've watched recently, I can't even remember what the hell documentary I was watching, but it was about uh, CEOs, businessmen, and it was about winning. That's what their, their drive is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have had you know all the the bezos and the bill gates and all the guys that have more money than anybody could ever possibly imagine more money than most countries have mm-hmm. and have and their passion but, had agreed tilt towards that to towards and, winning and it's it's all about winning it's about winning the next deal and they're addicted to that and it's like mm-hmm. bezos uh with and musk with the space programs they have like yeah. it, they are children with adult money going, I'm going to be the guy to do this. I'm going to win. And they say it's like that in every business deal. Oh, it was, it was the man who built America on the history channel. That's what I was watching. Um, okay. And it, it, but it, it started for, with Rockefeller and the oil guys, the steel guys. And that's all it was for them. They had more money than they knew what to do with, but they wanted to keep winning. Yeah. This, it, there's um is it francis nah not francis but he he did that uh there will be blood or whatever movie or something yes the, uh that was the the oil company yeah and wasn't it was like that kind of a character right the guy that forsook his friends his family even to the point of killing people yes. for his his own almost yeah. sociopathically for his that- own gain and win yeah, just winning at all costs, no matter what it costs, no matter I have. But to. now that's also emulated in worship, that kind of behavior. We in, in many cases, we worship it because of its success. Yes, that's why everybody watches these guys and sees what they do, do and yeah. buy the cars and buy the things. And because I want to have some of that. I want to touch some of that winning. I that documentary win. maker, he was a genius then. He's like, people will watch this. Yes. This is murder shows. Yeah. <laughs> Candy, are you getting me back on point? We didn't even start on point. Start over and just start with the beginning. Candy is already threatening to have me start over and just start with the beginning. <laughs> Completely off topic. Oh my God, Candy. Don't do it. What what can we do to we have to pull this into the conversation several times throughout the rest of our conversations about Ink Master? What'd you, what'd you tune in for, people? All right, let's go to Let's go to the Hangmaster. Let's go to my favorite, favorite shit. All right. And then, but hey, help me. I know how this works now. Candy, Candy will cut this whole fucking thing out. I had fun. Let's let's reference this throughout the whole Ink Master conversation. Just keep going back to it. Well, that's what we were talking about earlier, Kyle. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, I you have a like, rival. Uh-huh, go on. It's, Sorry. That kind of why we did a show about winning, like. Yeah. Yes. Yes, all, Queen. There you go. We all have yes. a bit of that 
I want to succeed. I want to win. I want to be at on my head and told I'm pretty. You know, we all have yeah. that. Like, See, Candy came in and interrupted my perfect segue. This is where I was going, Candy. Yeah, this is totally what we were getting to. Yeah. So let, let that us brings be- you to Ink Master at one point. Yeah, but, but even even mm-hmm. doing small amounts, even doing your tattoo, your daily tattoo, your daily appointments, convention, whatever tattoo you finish. My favorite little part, that winning that I get, is when they stand mm-hmm. up and their reaction, their face, you know, the smile, whether they take a picture of their tattoo, whatever their reaction is, that's that winning. Like, mm-hmm. I that. Like, I made that person's face do that. And I know that's one of the big things for me. Um, I mean, of course, you know, it, supporting my family, putting them through college, all these things is great as well. Right. right. But but you've also, that, have you, have you competed in other things prior to this? I'm guessing you were in some kind of sports of sorts. Oh, I've been, I've been competing my entire life, uh, athletics, um, spelling bees, you know, any, mm-hmm. any, there was any contest that I could have been in. Um, I, you know, I played, of course, Little League, baseball, football, uh, soccer. I wrestled a little bit. Now that I'm an adult, um, well, through high school was soccer, lacrosse. Um, In all these cases, this this kind of um, a winning that you get there, though, is not necessarily like you don't look at your opponent's face and be like, yeah, I did that. I mean, with the same kind of feeling that you get, at least when you look at your tattoo uh, client's face. And you say, yeah, I did that. I feel right. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's a similar feeling in some parts, like maybe not so like if you're winning the game, like I'm celebrating, I'm happy for my teammates usually when I win a game. Uh, right. But, like, but then you look over they, there, the sad sack losers that gave you the trophy. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I don't even notice those guys usually. But, um, <laughs> okay. But like, maybe I like pull off, like now I, I, I train and compete in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I just started. Mm-hmm. I've only been at it like less than a year. I had a couple competitions and I've definitely, you know, get my ass kicked every day at it, but I, I've, well, I've you seen know, your hand getting raised in, right? in some I, photos, man. I did my due diligence. We were searching you. Uh, that's why I get my ass kicked every day at the gym. So I can go there. And now, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can now kick against, ass yourself against guys way more advanced than me. They choke me out daily. I feel like my shoulders are going to be ripped apart, all the things, but then um, that, so that seems dangerous. dangerous. It's extremely dangerous, but <laughs> if I had trusting training partners, train with your friends, they don't want to get yeah. hurt, hurt you. You don't want to, right. <laughs> we all got to go to work tomorrow. Uh, none of us are hoist Gracie. We're not yeah, I, I quit doing <laughs> hop keto at some point because my we were doing, um, it's a lot of wrist ma- uh, maneuvers. Yes. And uh, everybody wanted to practice on the right-hand side. And I was like, the, I'm the left-hand guy. And I, it isn't, I shouldn't say that's why I quit. My time got put other places too, where I was happy, but that was one of the easy parts to give up was because you're like, it really fucks my wrist. Yeah. When, so yeah, when I, when I pull off a move and you see like everybody clap reward, whoa, that was cool. Like that's like that winning feeling that I get Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I did that. Like I learned, (laughs) I worked hard and learned that and pulled it off. And your opponent disappears in that moment. His, and, his, his and, sacrifice of pain is inconsequential to and, your and, reward. And my peers recognized my work 
and recognize okay. that. And that's makes me happy now. That's my, my little dopamine shot. How yeah. often, how many times a week you doing the, the BJJ? Uh, I try at least three days a week. Hmm. Uh, like you were saying with your, your training, you know, time is a huge factor, especially in our business. Our times are usually all over the place. We don't have that nine to five. Um, right. So, you know, I have to work my training around the school I train at as well. Um, because, you know, their classes, the coaches, they have their own lives, their own schedules. That they, yeah, and it so usually to, puts you about the middle of your day. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. on, on the days that you uh, do BJJ, you can go in and do one small tattoo, go do BJJ, shower up, eat, go in and do one small tattoo. Yes, uh, my, my, my gym, Ground Control, they have, they are very accommodating as the best they can. Mm-hmm. They give you up, op- they give you 6 a.m. options, they give you lunchtime options you got evening options but still you know i'm mm-hmm. usually i'm usually tattooing at the shop from noon to about you know indefinitely right you know, the, it could go longer than eight o'clock yeah i'm i typically i i have my my hours of work is 12 to 9 it's very rare i leave before 10 p.m <laughs> 11 right. I, I didn't get home till 11 o'clock last night um yeah, I mean, that's pretty typical. So I, I miss a lot more. So I'm not able to, you know, train as much as I would like. But also, I'm more of a hobbyist. I'm not training mm-hmm. to make it to the UFC. I'm training. Right. So my son, this is my son and I. This is one of our big bonding things. This kid is phenomenal at jiu-jitsu. He's only about a year and a half in himself. He's got a couple gold medals. Um, actually, what I, we had messaged earlier, we had you know changed the time for this podcast. The reason that I was so okay with moving it, like I was going to ask you if we can move it up in another hour anyway. Um, he's due to get a promotion this evening. He's getting a oh. he's getting a belt up. He's going from his white belt, which is his beginner belt, to right. a yellow, yellow belt, mm-hmm. this evening, which we we believe he is. It was like. Uh oh, I think I just lost you. Hello? Hello? Okay, oh. that was all. <laughs> he's belting up then. Yeah, yeah. Uh so he's he's belting up tonight, which we're pretty sure I, I don't have a guarantee, like the coach wasn't like, Hey, you know, make sure you're here. But mm-hmm. coach definitely told him, like, hey, make sure you're not late on Wednesday, which we're never late, but for him to say it was kind of like right there's a reason yeah. why yeah so it was just kind of like a little clue and it's about that time that he is you know going to be promoted well yellow belts i mean yeah. it, no offense but it's it's it i i don't mean to it's it's the one they're happiest to give out because it's the hooker right it's the now we got you now now you want to continue you oh know? yeah absolutely. the, the oh, big yeah. one is, is your next belt up or your next couple of stripes because so many yeah. people drop out after yellow belt when they just start to lose interest absolutely uh yeah because well the the he's he's 13 years old so the the teenagers and the kids belts you know they have mm-hmm. a different belt level but yeah that is one of the things that we talk about in adults is uh your first promotion belt is the blue belt and you know and in teenagers it's the yellow but okay. most people make it to that belt and go okay I won. I did it, you know, because it is in the adults. It is one of the hardest to get to, but you it's get blue? The, 
everybody kind of just gives up with blue. Okay. Um, it's, it's the dedication that what it really takes, especially uh, with, out of tattooing. I don't know, especially out of anybody's life. I it takes like, dedication. I feel like with anything hard, it mm-hmm. takes, well, dedication, yes. And I, I'm finding more with myself because I've, I feel like we, we learn more in our failures anyway, right. whether ink master, jujitsu, life, marriages, whatever. We, we learn more in our failures. Um, and your so, successes. Yeah. 100%. Like, you know, the things we do in ink master that yeah, may have hurt us. That I, I, I found a quote it, from you that point puts you as one of the very rare and few contestants, and I, I see it's true, at least if this is what you believe, but that um, believe that the critiques, he, you were excited to get them because the, they gave you direction. Yes. Um, one, one of my, my few points for that going into the, the contest of Ink Master, um, it's very rare when you're sitting at home in your studio with all of your coworkers, your friends, um, either your peers at conventions, how often are you working on a tattoo and your buddy walks up and goes, man, you fucked that up <laughs> right, yeah. right in front of well, your usually not or, when they're serious. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll, <laughs> we'll do it as a joke. Cause we'll do it to rib each other or you'll right. like nudge the client like, Hey, you know, just, it's no problem. I'll fix that. You know, give it a couple of weeks and I'll fix it. You know, right. like we, we, yeah, we mess with our, our peers and our friends in that way, but, we never have, I mean, I, you know, maybe in our apprentice days somewhat, but it was way, way, way more ugly than what Nunez or Ali could say to us. That <laughs> I, I don't said, know if you got the right shit for this. Right, you, thought yeah. about, you thought about just ending it all? Uh, this is one that sticks with me. Like, still, I, can rem- I, I have a photographic memory. I remember, I could see him saying it. Kurt, my mentor, mm-hmm. our- you think you can do these things, but you just fucking can't. <laughs> and that I, 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 here I am 18 years later and I'm still telling myself that shit every day. That one think you can do head. these things and you just can't. <laughs> and it was about, you know, a month into actually being on skin and me trying to pull off tattoos that I just had no business yeah. doing. And you needed to slow down a little bit in yeah, your, what I'm battling with my my daughter with right now as well. Um, oh, she's ready for back pieces. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's she's uh, learning find, to tattoo. I, 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 find, I should probably I say right. Exact words. Um, mm-hmm. she, she actually this week she has done her first tattoos on skin of a potential clients. And of course, they're not paying clients. They're her friends. She grew up with people that we trust that allow us to like help her through this learning process. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's exceeding expectations. She really is. She's doing, I, I even told you the other day, it's like these four tattoos you've done are way better than the first four tattoos that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're on the right track, but now it's how do I take my failures through my apprenticeship, things that I got beat up mm-hmm. with, you know, for or whatnot and put those into her head, but make them a pleasant memory instead of the, instead the of fear that you still have do this, you know, yeah. instead of the scary biker guy with the Mohawk and the tattoos on his head going, you can't fucking do this Be- because that guy really, if you, if you give him too much rent in your head, he's going to keep you from doing a lot of things that 
or at least testing yourselves. Like you said, you learn more from mistakes. So uh, one of he the keeps big, you from making them, unfortunately, almost. Yeah. And then you learn less. And I'm I'm grateful. I'm thankful. Like I I I'm able to thrive in those, you know, in those environments of somebody kind of giving me shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like I was raised that way. You know, I say all the time my dad was my first bully. You know, like okay. <laughs> uh, I've always kind of had somebody going like, you suck, you suck, you suck. And it never bothered me. You know, it was always more of a, no, I don't like watch this. That was more of a, <laughs> it, I, I never, but that's where I, I go in the ink master. I still have that. Mm-hmm. You suck, you suck, you suck. And it, as you can see, like a lot of people said, you're so quiet on because it didn't bother me. You know, it didn't most of us me. reacting were bothered and, yeah, and kind of even it, what they, they, it was more of like that hit to their ego. Mm-hmm. And so now you want to like, I have to fight and argue that I don't where in my mind I'm going like, I'm, I'm pretty real. I try to be pretty realistic about it. Cause like clean can definitely make you feel like you suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, I, 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 I wonder if, I felt like your dad was clean when you said, you know, dad, my dad was my first bully. I was like, he was running around like clean. A thousand percent. Like, but okay. clean, clean would dog you, tell you how bad you suck. Tell you like, man, you shredded her skin. Like you tore that tattoo up, mm-hmm. come over and hug you and make you feel loved. And I'm like, <laughs> what is it? Like, and well he seems to understand i'm guessing and it seems to come out through his critique still that he understands with your knowledge of this and your acceptance of this and the way that you approach it you won't do it again or you shouldn't absolutely and that's where like i see i see that in him with with johnny baby baby rips was his son and that's his father Mm -hmm. kind of like he'll give you shit but you know he loves you you know and that's kind of where like i try to be as a mentor you know, to an apprentice, mm-hmm. not just my, not just my daughter, of course, but you know, uh, you know, to any apprentice I may have had. Um, but I try to do it in, in a positive light, not just like you can't fucking do this. Just like, Hey, you're not, you're not quite ready here. Let's take some steps. And this is why you can't do this yet Yeah, to learn how to do this first. And then we can work out. And that's actually a talk that you I've haven't had. been educated enough to do yeah. this yet. Yes. It's, you have not schooled enough to do this yet. Well, four people on this planet that I know that have woken up, picked up a tattoo machine, and to do this. You know? mm-hmm. one, of, one of them I work with every day, and it pisses me off. And I actually told him about that the other day. How much <laughs> oh, yeah. That he literally just woke up one day, decided he was going to be a tattooer, and was fucking phenomenal at it. Well, <laughs> you know, these guys get the special. They, they started a really good spot in the game. Yes. You know? Now, if anybody that had to cut their own springs and mix their own pigment, make their own needles, knows it's harder than not doing those things. Yes, because you could click a few buttons on your phone. Yeah. And, and, and with those things absent <laughs> from, from your learning process, you would be years ahead in my case. I remember trying to get a machine that would just run consistent. Yes. You know, not knowing shit about it, going um, to people that were giving me the wrong information because they thought it was funny, you know, yeah. and then uh, and then 
finally getting an idea of how it should be. And then you can start learning. Whereas these guys can go up, flip through a magazine, be like, oh, that, that machine, I guess it's got some good Google reviews. Yeah, I, I, I never I never tattooed outside of a studio. I, I never as a teenager, you know, never oh, my buddy's got a tattoo machine, mm-hmm. have a party tattoo each other. Or so you had a mentor party. then too then. Yeah, I, I never I never had any experience tattooing outside of the tattoo studio. Um a lot of people do, you know, prison, their house, whatever. And mm-hmm. then um once like I said earlier, there is no wrong way. Um, I mean, there is a wrong way to tattoo, but you know, whatever you're beginning, if you got the wrong way, uh, it, it might, it can end in a good direction. Yes. The ending in a good, that's more of the thing because there's a safety (laughs) factor to all of this. Oh yeah. It's such the wrong way. You got some dirty motherfucker that can't pay for a real tattoo in your kitchen. Yes. And you're, you're giving him a tattoo. He can't pay for a real tattoo. Do you think he buys condoms? But (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right he's but in your kitchen you, at your kitchen table you think this absolutely. fucking hepatitis having motherfucker is a anyways moving on yeah that that's different from what i was speaking of but mm. um my first ever time touching a tattoo machine was my mentor handing me a whole old huck spalding kind of machine which, which said, one do you remember let's uh, go to nostalgia days is that I, a puma or I, a swing gate it was. I'm pretty sure it was a swing gate. It was chrome, and I could tell you the binding post had a moon yeah. on it. And but it, <laughs> and it used to charm. have a moon that had a uh, a naked chick riding it, but the girl chick girl riding, fell off. Right, had the little charm on it. With it so <laughs> Ryan, the naked chick would ride back and forth and gyrate on the moon. Yes, that's <laughs> my very first tattoo machine. <laughs> it was handed to me by my mentor. He said, "Take this apart, every single mm-hmm. piece." put it back together and make it work did it have a hole in the middle of in when you take yeah. it apart the frame yeah yep, the deluxe frame, hole in the middle swing gate deluxe you got a and nice machine sir he handed me that machine and i still have this machine he handed me that machine said take it apart put it back together and make it run smoothly now i had this is my first time ever touching a tattoo machine i've watched them i've listened to them i've watched them tattoo for you know months at this point i've been tattooed mm-hmm. i know what it's supposed to sound like that's all I know is what it's supposed to sound like. You give and me a I, power supply to take home too, or did you do it all at uh, the shop? I did. This was all at, this was all at the shop. Yeah. I sat there at the, the front counter in the shop because that was part of my duties as an apprentice. You know, I was the shop bitch. I did. How, everything. how many months into it is this? Or this, was about, into it? this was about three months into my apprenticeship probably okay. uh, that he handed me a machine and asked me to do this. Um, Brand new shop, by the way. I started my apprenticeship at with him at a previous studio. I was maybe there with him for two weeks. He opened his new studio. I went with him there. So mm-hmm. brand new Baltimore City street shop. Ooh, with ooh. A little bit of a clientele from him because he had been tattooing for about you know 18 years at this point. But no name for myself, no name for the shop completely just begging for walk-ins every day that's what the shop was did did you get the accelerated course as well because of the circumstantial change in the businesses so he's kind of like we need someone to help i I still pay themselves yeah i feel like it did go a little bit quicker but also i i i guess i'm getting ahead of myself in the story some but when i started my apprenticeship i was 21 years old Mm. 
my daughter was born. She, she was about 18 months old and I had a son on the way. Oh, okay. I was a Chevy mechanic. I was an auto mechanic before that. What, what I was mm-hmm. working as, I mean, of course I had plenty of other jobs and directions I wanted to go in, right. uh, but I was a Chevy auto mechanic already making around $60,000 a year. This is you know, 21 years old in like 2005. So not so terrible money, but so, man, were you stressed on time? Yeah, yeah. 2005 was like, I was in a good place at 21 years old making 60 grand a year. You know, that was mm-hmm. a good amount of money back then. Um, hated every day of my life. <laughs> work, work related, let's say like work related. Yeah. Oh, I hated, yeah. like I dreaded getting up in the morning, going to work. I hated the business that being an auto mechanic was i love working on cars i love fixing problems i love puzzles dopamine hit you know i win i fix that um okay hated every day of it i walk into the tattoo shop that i used to get tattooed at by this guy he comes to me and you know we've talked about the matter before he'd seen my drawings things like that he comes to me and goes i'm opening in a tattoo shoot studio very soon I need somebody to help. I need, you know, counter help, construction help, cleaning, all the things that come into, you know, opening a studio. Yeah, I need to be in a bitch boy. Yeah, I need some help. He said, I like you a lot. I think you're smart. I think you're this, you're artistic. I think you could do well in this business. If you're willing to help me open my studio, I will teach you how to tattoo. And that's where... Of course, me being a cerebral, like, hey, let's make this make sense first. Hey, give mm-hmm. me a few days. Let me think about it. Let me talk it over with my wife. You know, this is a big deal. Children are involved. Yeah. So it could talk. Whole career her. change. Yeah. And, you know, going from making $60,000 a year to making $0 a year. Mm-hmm. With <laughs> a young In Baltimore. In the with, city? Where, where are you at in Baltimore? Uh, I... I'm in the suburbs. I'm about 10 minutes from the city. Okay. It's some it's rough still, area out there. There's some real has, nice area. It still has a little bit of a rough vibe in my part of the suburbs because uh, that's a whole nother thing with politics and low income. Well, Baltimore has been dealt a, a heavy hand yeah, since I, the days of uh, its conception. It's um, I feel a lot like of forces. I feel like they're kind of going in a, a different direction now, like a backwards direction. They've okay. kind, of, kind of got rid of all the low-income housing to bring the money back into Baltimore. But that's not so great for the people that don't have money. Right. Yeah. That, it that it doesn't have- answer the problem. It just yeah, shifts where they can be and probably raises your prison population quite dramatically. It, to me, I think it's adding fuel to the fire of the wage gap you know mm-hmm. like yeah. hey i money to come in here so i'll take your home and kick you out and right. now you have to go find a completely different place to live yeah but, and i'm going to take your your civic center and turn it into a whole foods absolutely and, uh, that, that you is, can't afford anything inside of here yeah and so now you have to go live somewhere else or now you have to go commit a crime to afford these prices because the prices have gone up because we've gotten rid of but you know Baltimore is one of those places that I do believe has since uh, for so long in an effort to uphold a, a poor status quo. In many cases, they have 
decided to hurt their future selves or hurt measure hurt um, marginalized fractions of their population thinking that it would help them in the long run but when you hurt you know just like we're all the same stardust when you start hurting yourself you know other people you're hurting yourself and baltimore feels that that you know fuck baltimore. yeah but these like you know we're the people that work in the factories you know we're the people that build the things mm-hmm. that these you know better off people you know the wage gap the higher ups like you feed off of these people to run your factories to build your millions you should probably take care of them but you know that's a whole nother <laughs> not kick them we'll out see. of the- and- we'll see how it goes it does there's a there's a faction where um anytime you take care of somebody you kind of just make them dependent upon you that's that's the argument i guess right and then do you want to make them dependent upon a state and so you you vote for socialism type of benefits or do you want to make them dependent upon corporations uh which will bust up their unions and give them poor representation (laughs) you know what i mean but they'll happily be like we'll pay for your shitty health care so that you're beholden to us this is why I, I feed my fridge. I fill my fridge and feed my kids with drawing pretty pictures because I have, <laughs> yes, I uh-huh. think I have good ideas. And I like to think I have a good grasp on like how the real world works. I don't know shit about fixing it or what the direction is to go in. You know, I can, you know, I, I like Matty Hickson's idea about fixing it. And both you and I and him all have the opportunity to because he says what you do is you you make your children aware of of these kind of constant truths and you you put them out there to do good in the world. And that's all you can really affect. I I respect that. Absolutely. I've never really thought about it in that way. I know I do those things and Mm -hmm. I feel like it's more me just naturally just ranting to my kids. (laughs) And this is what this is what being in a car with me is like. Say we have an hour drive somewhere. And maybe you guys are talk, talking talk, it. Something something triggers the conversation in a direction maybe this way. And mm-hmm. it's me and my, you know, 13-year-old son having these conversations. And I mean, I don't think about it as I'm going out to change the world by doing this. I just it just naturally is who I am. Like I want to share mm-hmm. my ideas with you. Well, that's how I I, I never saw it as that until maddie pointed it out but it is how you change the world right by the closest thing you do if you got a dirty floor in your bedroom you're gonna need to pick it up and and then when you get into your living room well you might have to pick that one up too you take care of your environment around you and then your environment improves hopefully (laughs) that continues it it is the the thought Mm -hmm. Every one of us can change the world in some aspect. It doesn't mean that that's, I can and change all of humanity. That's what Knight Rider taught us. I can change the humanity that's around me. Mm-hmm. And that in turn changes their humanity around them and so on, carrying on to. That's why I still live in Flint. So I can be a, a, a beacon of brightness in a dimly lit, shadowy part of the country. <laughs> I imagine is that why you live in Baltimore to bring up to bring this kind of if you I'm sure everybody does this everywhere they live I'm sure especially in Flint because you know 
doesn't have like a, a great reputation. What you see in the news, the water issues, things like that in Flint. Um, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about Flint, just what I see on TV. Um, I've never been to Flint. I know you've been to Baltimore many a times. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Baltimore scares me more in Flint. Yeah. <laughs> there's, just, there's just not enough people in Flint. Uh, like, cause they move out more readily and it feels yeah. like Baltimore somehow like geographically traps people as they lose their job. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're just stuck in random corners, like, uh, like, like dirt or dust in, oh, that needs to get picked, entire, picked up. There's entire neighborhoods in Baltimore city, not far from maybe where your hotel was within a mm -hmm. few blocks, within a few blocks of the convention center in walking distance of the convention center that I could have taken you where that entire neighborhood is unemployed. You know, like nobody mm -hmm. in this has a job, but they're surviving somehow. Right. Yeah. Uh, every other house is boarded up, but yet there's three or four people sitting on the porch enjoying the day. You know, that's a large amount of Baltimore city is that way. And it comes from, you know, employment rates, things like that. Like mm -hmm. you were saying, crap, they find a way to survive. It's natural. Uh human instinct animal instinct we find a way to survive i've seen the policing there at um at night when the brood squad as i'll call it comes out to clear the streets from the larry flint hustler club and the, yes. the like venues yes and uh the lack of humanity that those guys have in the in their job just tells you a lot i ain't trying to say that it's right or wrong because i don't do that job right but it, it's wrong to have that amount of lack of humanity. If that's your job, then you're in a funny spot and something's wrong. That's why I'm saying like, that was, you're like, Oh my God, man, there's problems with this city. Yeah. One like, and um, they just have that new show out now that has a glimpse into that. That mm -hmm. is 100% real with real people. Like people that I've met, this is based on a true story. It's called we own the city. Okay. And Title kind of tells that's you that's Baltimore. I've heard that. Yes, sir. And the show is about Baltimore City Police. Of course, it's about one group of Baltimore City Police. It's not about the entire right. force, but they are representatives of that force. So, well, I'll tell you, I hear that argument a lot, and I encourage police officers and, and people with uh, opinions other than this to come on and talk to me about it. But one of the reasons we hear that as a recurring uh, refrain is because. First off, it is true, of course, that it is a small group of of apples, say, in the barrel. But this is also a case of that small group of apples being able to exist undetected for any amount of time shows a, 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 that something is wrong. You know, what I mean, that some oh, kind of oversight that. change needs to happen and occur, because if the people inside don't feel uh, the, the police that are harmed by it. By, because the opinion of them on the streets then goes lower. Their daily morale sucks. They end up getting in a divorce with their wife. It, 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 these are all statistics that fit right along with being a police officer. If if that's going to happen, they're affected by these these people that would uh, act outside of the confines of their civil oath. Yes, I, I feel like there's a lot of that pressure in a lot of different fields. Just mm -hmm. with being a police officer, the stakes are way higher. Mm -hmm. People yeah. can lose their lives. You know, people can lose their lives. People can spend their lives in jail. 
what we're finding is some people can lose their lives and you might have been able to do something about it, but didn't feel the, I mean, that's what it seems to me yeah, in the case of uh, the, the Nichols case that we're watching kind of unfold. Yeah. And it seems as far reaching as this investigation is going, some of the things that's bringing to light that, that, that we're being told are some of the bigger problems with recruitment and re retainment and, and these kinds of things. Uh, it, it creates a culture where some people didn't feel powerful enough to voice or do the right thing. They, I'm sure somebody inside of that group was like, they felt it on their heart. They had a conscience. They were like, I need to do my civil oath. My job is actually my job that I took. This is what police officers, I think, sometimes forget that the job that they take is not to work with the people they protect. But instead, or that they imagine they protect. you imagine you're helping these people in the suburbs and stuff, these law abiding. No, your job is to work hand in hand, deal face to face with the people that are breaking those laws and treat them as citizens so that they can actually be corrected. Yes. In, instead of driving the, the thought home of a separation between the two groups uh, and, and making the, the, you know, and trying to remove gray area and just say, this is you bad. This is, this is this good. Yes. I'm the media in between that keeps the two of you far apart because yep. you are all bad and they're all good. And we like study the suburbs, you know, that suburb ain't all good. No, not at all. Especially the one I live in. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm, I'm like in a mid range suburb where this is my neighborhood. I can go over two streets and it looks like, leave it the beaver you know mm -hmm. it, and then on my street is far more diverse um there may be you know stories of a house broken into here and there you see police ride through every once in a while i mean i feel safe i feel secure here i like my neighborhood this is my neighborhood you know this is this if is i keep going in that direction what do i run into from the uh, good neighborhood it, past your neighborhood to i feel like that's baltimore though it's like these two blocks like it's happy and clean and then these two blocks you might have to go pick some needles up and then these two blocks it's happy and i think that's the entire city you think that boils We're down all, to then communities the that have been able to co cohese together together somewhat to yeah. uh i will go outside and you know talk to every one of my neighbors regardless of their profession whether they have a profession or not mm -hmm. we're all together in some way shape or form right um and we can all affect each other's lives for the positive and for the negative um and we, we we're all we're stuck together whether we like it or not we're stuck together oh more so it's, it's a name that doesn't rhyme too easily with anything i think the only time i've ever heard it in song was in the red stripe song um white, there's white a couple, stripes couple, there's a couple dmx songs out there is he from baltimore he is not he is okay. uh but he did a lot of his dealings pre-music in baltimore he is, he is celebrated in baltimore yes <laughs> actually a couple of his videos were filmed here i believe i was told i would have to double check on this i believe mm -hmm. the 12 o'clock boys which is like a baltimore motorcycle group okay four-wheelers all of those guys you'll see 30 yeah. 40 deep going through the city. I believe those were a lot of the guys that were in his Rough Rider video. So Which he makes a lot of sense, because that was the first times I've seen four-wheelers 
being used in a video that didn't also have like a deer getting drugged behind it or something, you know? Yeah, that is a big uh, Baltimore thing. Um, four four wheelers in the streets. Yep, go That's, the that goes right with that that theme or that theory. You know, we run these streets. It seems like it's just the counter side, right? There is another documentary of that side. Well, the the we mm-hmm. are the. It's not a documentary. It's a live action show recreated. John Barenthal is the main star, I believe. Okay. He uh, there's a documentary called Kings of the City or Street Kings or something. I would have to check to get the net, but it's about those motorcycle gangs. Well, not gangs. So most of them are just fucking kids with their bikes, uh, clubs or whatnot. <laughs> it's a club. It's a it's a group of guys that get together. I don't know if I've seen them gathered together like that well, gang the, seems the, like it, it's a, it's appropriate. It seems the, like the, the legalities of what they do are not what I'm, you know, what, uh, what I'm trying to bring up. Cause it is true. Okay. A lot of motorcycles may be stolen, things like that, but that's, mm-hmm. that's the counterpoint to like, and it's, what are you going to do about it? We all live together. We're all part of it. I love like, it's annoying for traffic. You'll be in the middle of the street. You'll be driving in the street and 30 dirt bikes zoom past you all doing wheelies. It's dangerous. <laughs> it, it, the police, the police they, have laws now, they are not allowed to do anything about it. Because, because it was getting people hurt in chases or something. Exactly. Yes. They have no chase. Because laws. these guys also are now on the sidewalks to escape. They have this agile vehicle. Yes. Am I the wrong? Old- Police that I know of, the only thing that the police are allowed to do is mm-hmm. if the motorcycle or the vehicle, the ATV, is parked, they can run the tags in the VIN to see if it's stolen. And then they can do something about it. Then they are not allowed to pull. How up. are there, t- but there's no tags on these things. How are there some tags and VINs? I mean, there's a VIN, some, but there's no tag, right? You can't some, some legally. Are tags. I had a motorcycle stolen for me recently, a uh, okay. brand new. GSX, you know, GSXR 1000 brand. They only had it for a month. Love this motorcycle. It was stolen from me right out front of my ex's apartment in a much nicer area than I live in, by the way. Um, about three days later, somebody sent me a video on Instagram like, hey, I saw this bike. Looks a lot like the one you posted. And it was mm-hmm. my motorcycle. It was my motorcycle being wheelied through the city. And the first thing they did, you could tell in the video, they broke the tag bracket off of it <laughs> because my bike was legally tagged, insured, et cetera. So the first thing they do is they get rid of all those numbers. Mm-hmm. So that is the only thing that the police officers can do. So if they saw but that bike parked, it's very they would definitely have the right to run it. Or even since it was absent tags, they would be able to actually just probably get it booted and and towed if they get that it parked. Now, yeah, them not having tags on a vehicle on the street now gives them probable cause to conduct some form of investigation. That is the only power the but, police have in that instance. Right, but civilians were getting hurt on the on the runaways, and well, I think they need more, those net guns. I see those in like cartoons all the time. Yeah. More They're very effective costing the city money and it was making the city look bad because it's all about image they really don't care about whether the people you know are okay some mm-hmm. people do, but as a whole as my opinion it looks like it's all about the bottom line and it's all about image when 
somebody ran on a motorcycle or a dirt bike through the city. And a lot of times these are teenagers, 14, 15, 16 year old kids. Right. Honestly. And they, a lot of times they really don't know any better. This is what they see. This is the environment. Your brain's really not formed like that until you're almost 24. As I keep hearing, not, they don't see outside of their little environment. This is what people do where I live. This is who I am. This is what I belong to. So they do right. this. But um, and of course, you're going to run in the case that you're about to have your your phone crashed. Yeah, but then go, you're going to crash into somebody and possibly. I'm sure there's death and horrible uh, injury. Yeah, maiming and, and stuff that has occurred as a result, and that also means then that these young kids were prosecuted, probably in in many cases because of their own circumstance and their racial profile. A lot of these times, these people are going to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, even possibly as an adult, um, getting them years and years and years behind bars, it, it, like losing lives and 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 citizens locked up. Yes, and also. Um... A lot of that, like being pulled over by a police officer, they see what you said you have seen, the mm. brute squads. They've seen that with their own eyes. They live in that environment. Right. You know, you're I could here. only imagine what it had been like had I tried to offer any more than it. I, I accidentally <laughs> I had to go the opposite way, man. This little girl, um, it was a police officer. She's, you know, suited up and batoned up, got a helmet on, and she's yelling orders with fuck in the middle of every one of them. Yeah. I got to get the fuck over there. Well, my wife was just told to get the fuck over there. And yeah. I'm like, well, I don't think this is the kind of environment I'm supposed to be split up for my wife in. Yeah. <laughs> so when I try to start going the opposite way, I'm a threat and all kinds of shit. And uh, I called her hun on accident. And that mm. just drew drew her thumb down to her side where she popped the button uh, yeah. of, I'm guessing, a taser or a baton or something, right? And I just saw the action, and I know protocol. I trained with enough police officers. For, I was doing hop keto with a lot of them, BJJ as well. I, I passively put my hand on the shoulder of an officer next to me. Yeah. I know that's not a passive movement, right? But if you can do it passively, like that's how it went. You know, I, I it mean, was very light, like, excuse me, officer, I need to get to my wife over here. And he had no problem with it. That, she saw me put my hand on him. And yeah, she's like, get your hand off the officer. And she starts coming out. And I just walk, like, just walk, like, don't turn around. Just don't turn around. I, I do get to me when you, when you, that human contact, when you put your hand on somebody's shoulder, somebody's forearm, when you're speaking to them, that's kind of saying like, I understand. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I understand that. But to me also the, the other side of the coin, these police are doing a very scary job as well. Oh yeah. They don't. In, do in, in possibly one of the worst ways I've ever seen, but also yeah. doing a scary job. I saw all the fear, you know, yes. I didn't doubt her fear when I put my hand on his shoulder. Yeah. It was it was only I think that she saw his reaction when I met him. You know, we gave you give you talk more with the eyes sometimes. Right. Yeah. And and then I, he heard me talk about my wife. And so that was an understanding right away as I'm pointing and saying my wife and like I'm out of this. Like, I just want to get off to the edges, but save that situation for other people. If that is the police officers, I, I'm, I'm from out of town. Right. <laughs> Those people got to deal with that on a daily yeah, a lot and of people are way more confrontational as well. That's what she was expecting, I'm sure. Like, yeah, like that same female officer to to you, to me, mm -hmm. get, get the fuck over there. I'm 
your anxiety goes up. Mm -hmm. Your spider senses start tingling. This is anger, aggression directed towards me. Mm. Now I should be worried. I should now some like me, I could go, okay, like this situation may get out of hand. I'm smart enough. I'm, you know, I'm lucid enough to go. I'm just going to get my ass out of here. Like you did. I want to find my wife. But let me be drunk. Not everybody has that maturity well, especially or, on that street they're drinking yeah and the, the part that got me was she told that, me to get the fuck the over there and anytime is, you add that part into the statement i want to say no yeah <laughs> i mean it very well could have been like sir can you please move along oh, oh no <laughs> trying, to get, trying to get my wife okay there she is have yeah. a nice day. yeah it very easily but could have been that it could have been that but also we're you know reasonable people some people aren't that reason some people could read that as weakness in her <laughs> and yeah. now now if i come at her aggressively now i have the upper hand in this debate with this other human being so i think she does that too i'm i the more aggressive person i'm stronger willed than you right. i'm like peacocking almost to not let you get one over on me right because you were far too polite yeah, I know is, that I can run this 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 right into you know wherever I want it. I feel like that may be some of the demographic there. Like, be, well, there's some of the thing between police officers and the citizens that see each other every day. Right. Like you said, you were you know you're an out of towner. <laughs> I can only imagine. And that girl I know had to every day when she goes to do this job. You know, I'm guessing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Any day that anybody has this job, and it's also probably not the um. The people that want to do that job, fuck them. They're bad people, yeah. <laughs> right? And the people that get stuck with that job, uh, my empathy goes out to them. And they, they all have to find ways to work with that. But yes. that's that's got to be like your foot in the door. Here's your first couple of weeks. You're going to be doing a, a few days, at least two days a week of, you know, clear, clearing out two o'clock to four o'clock, the, the bar area. Yeah, but- as you put your helmet on, as you grab your baton, your vest, and all that shit, you got to start getting ready for what you experienced last week. And your mind's now going to your own safety. Yes. And how do I avoid that? Well, last time they told me you got to control the situation. It seems like what they mean is swear at these motherfuckers a lot. Right. Because, so- well, also, a lot of people, that's the only reaction that works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, some people, and we're all so different. And for them, you know, with you, the police, officers, you know what what works I, better? Maybe I'm thinking. I, I, here's the solution, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm wrong. Earplugs. For the officers, or for the civilians, or for everybody. <laughs> Technical difficulties. I don't know what's happening with my my um. Zoom just went crazy on me. Yeah, I noticed. We're all- <laughs> you noticed. Well, I was talking and then I noticed. You, you, you think we lost it? I, don't, I mean, it was recording. And then just restarted. So we don't know where the process is and there's no tracker on that. Interesting. Well, Candy will be excited. Because <laughs> all uh, that wasted talk, we just solved the world's problems. We'll at least set up for people if they are catching in. This is. All we get, and we right. just solve the world's problems, and you're welcome. Me and Don Petticore doing this shit. Right. Vice President, President, what are we running for here? I, I, I never want to be president, so I'm putting you up, man. 
You're, I hope you're more ambitious than me. Never, I never want to be in charge either. Damn it. <laughs> I just want to be the guy shaking hands and being like, I'm here. Even I'm a, I'm a democratic guy. Like even, even in the shop, I'm very much like, so what's everybody want to do? How's everybody feel about this? You know, like I'm a very much like, it's all live together. I'm not a, Hey, this is what we're doing at the shop and you're going to like it. You know, like how'd that work while you were inside of, um, Igmaster then? Um, were you that way then too? I mean, some times obviously passed. Yeah. 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 Um, I was, I'm yeah. Very democratic. Just like, Hey, we're all in this together. Like, I mean, to be honest, I, I have hardcore imposter syndrome. Okay. Where I never feel like I belong. If that makes sense. Like, I feel like I belong within a group of people, but when people compliment my tattooing, mm. uh, my art, things like that, I always have this, I, I get a weird feeling. It's yes, I'm appreciative. I love the people like to look at what I do love people that you know like to pay me for what mm. I do yeah they compliment me on it I go nah I'm just starting out I have this you'd deep, rather not get the compliment let's just be happy and move along like I I, I love getting the compliments I, I will always take mm -hmm. class but in my head I'm going and that was my next question is like when it's absent you must feel weird you're my favorite or you're the best or you're so good or you're the ink master you're, you're all of these things that people say my mm. head goes, no, this guy is, this guy is, this guy is, this guy is. Okay. I was like, yeah. I'm not imposter syndrome. So please don't say those things about me. And I had like this imposter syndrome of like one day people are going to figure out that I don't belong. <laughs> I feel like I, I get that in a lot. I got that in athletics. I got that. I just, I feel like that's just part of who I am. And it keeps me humble, which keeps but me. What? What happens when they figure it out? They're going to point at you like invasion of the body snatchers, well, make a high pitched noise, and then they're, they're going to come and take you away. No, that's when the, the OnlyFans is going to start. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you don't fit in. You're like, all right, man, back to fans only, man. I'm fine with it. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, just go, I'll just go fit in somewhere else over here <laughs> until they the figure world out. is an amazing place and it's definitely changing. But I felt like that way in in the house because you know you, you're going in, you're completely blind. You spend your three days in the in the in the hotel. You mm -hmm. have no idea who else is going to be there. Now you yeah. had to know that Eric was going to be there. Am I wrong? Was I had like like some of the others that had when there was teams or I I was on season five with rivals with Eric Suda. Um, he was the only person I knew that was going to be there. Um, now, for you, for season four, doing just a straight up, you know, the traditional format, like, according to our, the way our contracts are, we have no idea. You know, we're not supposed mm -hmm. to know other person that's going to be competing on this show. So Eric was the only one that I knew going in. And then day one starts, we come together at, uh, what's the, uh, Grand Central Station. Yeah, they, big all, money. We all meet in the middle Big of Grand money day and we're looking around at each other and there was guys I recognize. And of from course, the tattoo industry or just from, from neighborhood from, you know, from of course, social media, uh, from tattooing and conventions. Uh, Aaron is, mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that's the guy that wears fucking bunny ears. And you know, <laughs> 
Um, and oh, should I have one of his stickers on my case right now? You know, on my tattoo yeah. machine. This is weird. You know, I've never actually met this guy. I've seen him around. Um, now you're that, competing but, against him, but yeah, does it feel like it's there's any competition yet? You're just seeing everybody, so it's oh, kind of yeah, not at all. And then I well, when I saw clean, clean rock one, and it's mm-hmm. like wow, I'm not winning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And then they drop the hammer on you, and then they bring Jason Clay Dunn and Joshua Hibbert, Hibbert out from around the corner. And I'm like, I have to compete with these guys? And now all this pressure is building on me. And I'm going, I'm going home day one. I don't belong here. <laughs> right. Imposter syndrome just jumps right I, in. Huh? Like, I better, I better go do some push-ups and sit-ups and work on, like, how I look on TV for this one episode because it's the one I get, you know. <laughs> Did you find yourself being more dedicated to your physical re- regimen there then? Uh quite the opposite, actually. <laughs> okay. I was it's gonna a, say it's not easy. It's it's a time thing. You know, mm-hmm. you don't you have you have barely any time to work out. Right. And and no work, no gym usually available yeah. or there you're going to just have to stink for the day because you're like we can't really time a shower for you yeah we can't we can't gym shower do interviews draw this tattoo film mm-hmm. and you know, and i have you know 12 hours i have to find somewhere to eat and sleep in those times too um and then i have to spend three hours sitting in a van not speaking but you're worried about it because the camera's on you and, and you don't know that you can bring the level of the people you're seeing showing up. Huh? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, day one, we get we get our our assignment, you know, our, our first challenge. And we had to work with our rival to do a six hour tattoo of our choosing. We meet our clients, all of the things. Um, and we got an amazing client she was great um i remember her having a lot of like burn scars Mm -hmm. um she had gone through you know of course naturally you know some kind of you know trauma that caused you know burns to her skin she didn't have a whole lot of skin where you could do something clean and open she just was you're talking about because of that you know she was self-conscious about a lot of it and Mm -hmm. you know i love tattoos but like a lot of her body and this was a few years ago, so I don't remember all the details, but a lot of her body was covered in scars. And um, so we, Eric and I, as rivals, you know, came together in a team, but still understanding that like this, this tattoo, yes, we're competing against each other, but yeah, like, but somebody has to wear that lady, like went through something, you know, yeah. that, she, you know, that she's, you know, doesn't like about herself and she wants beautiful tattoos. So we're going to, here's your chance to fuck her whole life up. Absolutely. We're going to come together like as teammates, not rivals in this moment, Mm -hmm. this woman, the best tattoo we can give her. And then we'll fight later. We're going to do everything we can not to be sent home ourselves. Did you guys talk about that though? Amongst yourselves? Like, Hey man, this is important. That absolutely. That was, that was the train of thought for our entire process there uh, we talked about it amongst ourselves off camera we talked about it on camera um mm-hmm. i believe eric even went into a little monologue about that um in critique day to the judges as well because one of the critiques we got we pretty much gave her an entire full color half sleeve in six hours fuck 
And one of the critiques we got was, why'd you do a tattoo this big? And that was our argument was, we wanted to give this lady the best tattoo we could give her Mm -hmm. in this time on the skin that she did have to make something beautiful, a beautiful piece of art for her. That's one of the unfortunate parts about Ink Master, the casualty of the for the canvases. I like that hashtag casualty of the canvases is that as they come on there, get that you get six hours. And honestly, the right tattoo might take need to take more. But at the same time, in that six hours, you also have to finish piece. Most of the answer is usually just shrink the tattoo. But now we're and and you have a smaller tattoo, less to judge. But now how it fits on the body is especially in the case of somebody that you want to cover. I'm guessing I'm I'm supposed as many of the little burn spots as possible or make something as beautiful there so that you can draw away from the parts that other people would not find as attractive. Absolutely. And that was our thing. She, this, the arm that we tattooed was the only limb on her body that didn't have any burns on it. And she says, I want to have a full sleeve, colorful, like, because some of the burns were pretty severe where maybe you, you know, tattoo wouldn't even hold up. Um, so we did, you know, the best we could with what, and, to me, my one of the stances, they've never, of course, they've never aired this, but almost every interview day when they ask you about what the judges think, I'm pretty proud to say, even on the show, in a competition where I was trying to change things and trying to win a competition, I still stuck to this person has to win this for the rest of their life. Yeah. Now, I integrity will, doesn't always go the farthest down there. How did and, it treat you? does not now some of it you know i would try to you know negotiate or like i want to make the client happy and make the judges happy and make myself mm-hmm. happy yeah. and make the audience happy make everybody happy which is impossible to do and especially in a format like ink master because you know as well as i do in one challenge you may be praised for using a certain technique or doing something here and the mm-hmm. next chapter you get smashed over the head for doing the same exact thing. Well, yeah, or, or another change it will we, be a positive for one contestant and then another one, they will get knocked for it in some fashion. I, what, what am I, I even watching? Yes. I, one of the worst things you can do as a contestant, if you're going on guys, listen to us. The worst thing you can do is listen to anything the judges say ever. Yes. Um, I could be, I, even when it goes against it for the other, don't listen. Cause it's just going to get you thinking now I could be wrong though. Cause these new judges, have you seen season 14? I have not. Okay. It's interesting. It's changed up quite dramatically with, um, and, and the contestants on there are explaining that there's no longer the idea that they're not trying to teach you how to do a better tattoo. They're, uh, they're actually trying to teach you how to do a better tattoo. So when they say, I don't like that you did this, they don't leave it at that. They say, I would have liked to have seen you do this or this. And then you walk away like, Oh, I can use that next time. You know, that, that, makes a lot of sense for i believe the way the industry is going yeah i was just talking about with how i speak to my daughter as opposed to how i was spoken to Mm -hmm. so yeah so 
that I'm not here to teach you how to tattoo. I heard Chris, Chris Nunez used many of times. All the time. Yeah. All the, almost daily. It was like his excuse for not really having a better put together um, critique. It's, uh, to me, I felt like he was just running out of gas of shit to say. And oh. it was all just turning into the same nightmare of the last season. And I, so he was I, just like, listen, I'm not here to teach you how to tattoo. And it really meant don't look into my critique too much. I have to say things. I'm I'm pretty sure he had a notepad or a sticky pad there with mm-hmm. like a uh, one liners on it. <laughs> and then they lit up next to it. And Andrea was like, say this one. Now say this one. Now say this uh-huh. one. <laughs> because they're definitely very like, I don't want to put you on front street or, you know, he had. But well, they had got his- it. They got that in their ear. So they could have just been putting, feeding those things too. Right. <laughs> And there, there are times when I've seen, like, Dave, I, everybody has a different point. I, I love Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave and I had some very good interactions, some very good conversations. I have a lot of respect for the man. Um, of course, what everybody wants to ask you when you first come home, what was Dave Navarro like? I have a lot he's of gorgeous. Yeah, he's, he's fucking, there's a backlight that shines behind him. I think he literally has people shot coming around and shining like I, this backlight behind him. I think he's a vampire. I never saw a, a, a mirror. that They did always keep the mirrors behind the curtains, right? Mm-hmm. We, 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 <laughs> we, we died for a few episodes. Yeah, and D was never there during the mirror reveal. He would, he would, yes, that's true. But when we would film outside, he would have a very large hat. Uh huh. Yeah. Sunglasses. The sun does not touch this man's skin. Yeah. No, he would glisten. And he would. <laughs> Isn't that a glimmer? Whatever the fuck when they do in the twilight. Doing our flash challenges or whatever we were filming outside. If Dave was outside and not in his trailer with us, mm-hmm. he had an umbrella. Like he nice. does not touch this man. Nice. Yeah, like, did he have someone holding the umbrella for him too? Uh, I want to see that. Um, when he, there was a few times he had a lady friend on set, and they would nice. both have umbrellas, and they okay. would hold umbrellas for each other at times. Ah, uh, it was cute. kind of a it was it wasn't an assistant thing then; it was kind of a lovers thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that was more of a friend thing or whatever, whatever their relationship was. I I never spoke about him. So well, hey, holding somebody's umbrella for, so the sun don't get on them—that's love. Yeah, for, so the rain don't get on whether, them. That might yeah, just be out of nicety, but whether it's romantic love or friendship love, it's it's definitely love. Yes, exactly that. Um, Let's. Uh, now, but hey, man, remember I told you this one. I want drama. So, dude, it's romantic love, dude. The thing is, totally. Tell romantic. Me, so, so yeah, ex- let's explore uh, the. <laughs> Dave Navarro romantic. Did you yeah, see him hit on anybody there? So, um, did I see Dave hit besides, on anybody? Besides Aaron is. I've already heard that story enough. Oh, the Maglite? <laughs> Maglite, <laughs> no. Oh, um, Aaron's going to hate me for this. I don't know why he would hate me for this. Um, His Maglite penis, you mean? Oh, uh, yeah. He does He does pretty well downstairs. Um you live in a you live in a house with a man for three months. You know a lot about him. Uh, you live I, in a house with Aaron is you're going to learn a lot about. It. Yeah, uh, actually, one of the first nights, one of the big jokes was I'm a fairly large human being, six four, two thirty. Work out a lot, all those things. Uh, Aaron is is a little on the more, you know, it's like five ten, skinnier five, side, five eight, but still, mm-hmm. 
it's ripped with fucking six pack abs, but it's easier when you're a skinny guy. <laughs> um, and it was a joke, like, oh, but you could pick him up, blah, blah, blah. So I straight gorilla pressed Aaron is for my head. And when you do this, of course, left hand's on the shoulder, right hand. Uh-uh. No, don't tell me. I lifted uh-huh. Aaron over my head. By his penis. Him, and I said, good for you, bro. Good for you. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> tell if I had the crotch or just another leg. I wasn't sure <laughs> what I was holding. but You're just saying you had a handle. When you yeah. usually you have to have them squeeze their thighs it, together so that you can really get the press there, right? But with him, hold a grown man over your head. He gave just, you a little a carrying case. <laughs> very nice way to go, Aaron. So proud. so, so we, we were filming uh, critiques, um, and you know you have your spot on the platform where you your mark you have to stand, and you're in the same spot every time until somebody's eliminated. Then. But you're still around the same area. Mm-hmm. Aaron is always kind of in front of me to the left, I believe. So he's in the front row. Nobody's blocking him. Aaron wore a lot of very tight pants. Uh, we had tons of lights on us. Lights induce shadows. Mm-hmm. You can see everything that Aaron's working with, regardless of what... You know. Well, here's here's my I want to put it on this one for, for anybody else trying to um, keep keep track of Ink Master Penis. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put it on him. I know that I know that I've heard this. I travel with Aaron all the time. The rumors of his penis are far reaching. I'm not saying they are more far reaching than he is far reaching, but I am to say, I do not believe he is the most far reaching of ink masters. And for that, I am going to put it on Frank McManus one time episode of uh, what season three, who um, that guy has a squirrel living in his pants. (laughs) He says that when he was a kid, he, he was always embarrassed by it, literally. This is what he says. Because when he was a kid, and they might have to get, you know, nude together. And I, he's talking like four to, you know, 13. They would make fun of him because of his big, abnormally sized penis. <laughs> I can guy. say, having many bullies in my life. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have never been bullied for that. For having too big a penis? I've never. I've never... It's hard to put on your uh, on your resume, you know. I would if that were me, though. Now I'd be pretty... like, any special attributes that you have? I've been bullied for my m- enormous he- penis my whole life. Damn, I'm I'm I missed that one. Like, been... I don't know whether this is to be a Walmart greeter. I don't know if that is a special. I just put it on everything. I've been made fun of for pretty much every aspect of me in my life at one point or another from somebody. Uh-huh. Never, but not that. We'll have to ask Aaron if uh, if the kids Maybe. in preschool were like, we can't, we don't let him on the merry-go-round because his penis is too big. I want to create a superhero, just average penis man. <laughs> average penis man. Would he always be arguing the actual average sizes and the range then too? What uh, is that? and. I don't, I don't know. I just, I always hear it being argued <laughs> and throughout, throughout my life, I've heard that it's changed and I believe it's getting bigger. I believe the average penis size is getting bigger. So 
for okay. the average guys just all around the world. Hey, fucking clap, clap, clap. Hands <laughs> off, pat on the back, all that kind of shit. Look what you That's did, cool. buddy. Look, yeah, look how far you've come. Mm. Well, it has nothing to do with coming, actually. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, look how far you went. Or, you know, stretched. What's the, the invention of the dick pic? Mm, that's probably what did it, huh? Is because everybody's fluffing up now all day. Absolutely. And that's just resulting in better measurements when these scientists, wherever they are, jump out of the fucking bushes and start, you know, checking out. <laughs> like, do over. they do that when we're dead? This is why you don't submit your body to science. Because yeah. they're fucking... We're evolving as humans. Mm-hmm. Because we're fluffing them so much more, they're just mm-hmm. naturally staying in that state, maybe. <laughs> pretty deep. <laughs> this is all because of the dick pic. The dick pic has a positive effect on penis size. This is something I want to see Freakonomics um, study the data of. <laughs> Actually, dick pics, uh, two things, a phenomenon of, uh, of emerging technologies. One, the neck is craning out and getting lower because of walking around with your head in a phone all the time. And two, dicks are always at a fluffed appearance and seem to have made a genetic change in their disposition and DNA substance. Um, well, you lucky girls of the future. That is, that you know? Lucky people you know we oh, people yeah i ain't trying to say you can't <laughs> get down with it like that uh minnesota they're gonna benefit the most because you know i always feel bad for like the size queens in minnesota i don't know how you would ever know it is just too fucking cold there ain't everybody's walking around with stack buttons up there even aaron aaron and frank mcmanus put together and they're like still i, I ain't tracking through a pair of gray sweatpants they're not leaving that trail in the snow like not some- anymore <laughs> yeah yeah they're like like they would in the sand of florida right exactly <laughs> yeah. all right um we're talking about penis let's keep this moving on uh it's a good topic seems to be one everybody's interested in talk about penis eric your rival yes. <laughs> give you a chance to be a dick to him uh how do you how do you guys even become rivals had you had you worked at shops before um actually this is probably one of the oddest meetings um him and i stood in line together at a casting call for ink master season which three four season two. Oh, awesome i was there was it in new york this was in new york city on mm-hmm. would be eighth avenue it was in a bar i believe a rooftop yeah yep we stood up long line hours and hours and hours steve teff was there mark matthews was there I was there. I was I was there. <laughs> um, I think I seen like Tim Kern there. I could be wrong about that one. I seen some names too that I was like, none of us have a chance, and those people didn't make it. Now, so boring. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, this was my first time ever being in New York City. I live, even though that you're from the East Coast, there by Baltimore. I live two hours away, two hour drive to yeah. Manhattan. It's a two-hour drive. It's about seventy dollars worth of fucking tolls. But right, and you guys drive. hate New York City that much that you're like, "Fuck that place." We got Baltimore City. It's cool. I adore New York City. That trip actually did a lot for me for New York City. Um, mm-hmm. I went there with a coworker, also a tattoo artist. We don't work together any longer. Not a great relationship there. Okay, we went. We we drove up together. Um, uh huh. He had his girlfriend. My, my okay. Wife, 
uh, we all we all came up together like hey we're both going to apply for the show you know might as well save gas tolls whatever let's go together um i meant i was going to go up that morning of course uh this guy not great on time mm-hmm. yeah i got a i got a couple things i'm going to do then we'll ride up together and hours and hours and hours go by i committed to somebody saying i'm going to do this with you so I stick to that. I'm trying to be a man of my word as much as possible. Right. Even though this isn't for arrivals, it's you guys could go stand in line separate. Yeah. Yeah. We exactly. We were just friends. Hey, let's carpool, share mm-hmm. ho- hotels. Let's share this experience together. You were though- just cheap motherfuckers who didn't like paying tolls. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's like we, we work together every day. We live <laughs> close by. Why not ride up together? Yeah, We, we bonded <laughs> over our distrust of paying tolls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we'll have dinner together, enjoy the evening. In the morning, we'll go to our casting call. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't get in the New York City until about eleven o'clock at night. Finally, after waiting on this guy, my first time ever being in Manhattan. I reserve mm-hmm. a hotel room right by Times Square, not far from the venue for the. Oh yeah, cheap, cheap. Oh uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm blown away by New York City, the lights, the energy. You know, just the whole vibe of the city. I couldn't There's wait. There's an energy there. I check into my hotel. Well, check into my hotel. They have no reservation, no recollection of us reserving a hotel, which was awesome. Walk to the hotel next door. They put us in a room for half the price of the. Previous. So he loves you already because it was your job to check to to get the reservations. He's Ab- thinking that you fucked up. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, and you're already pissed at him because you're like it don't even fucking matter, Mister. Five hours later. Yeah, yeah. So it was this tension already with us. <laughs> so Good, I like it. We check in our hotel. It's midnight by this point. Um, just paid eighty dollars just to park my goddamn truck. But I mean, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so get to the hotel. And it's like, hey, we're hungry. You're hungry. This is New York let, City. Let, let's talk about the parking too that you did. You parked it for like three days and you put it on a top shelf of a fucking of, of some rickety ass scaffolding that they got. You're like, how does that even work? Like you're I, shitting me, man. Park, this is a parking garage. For for one night, I reserved. <laughs> it was eighty dollars. I drive a Dodge fifteen hundred. You know, full size mm-hmm. pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Drive. Um, yeah, that's I, perfect for New York City. Yeah, that's what I had at the time. That's still what I, had, <laughs> of course. But yeah, so New York City was very accommodating for that. Um, oh, yeah, and of course, this truck is a large truck. Takes up the same amount of parking spot that a, a small car does, though. <laughs> still, you get an oversized vehicle, and it was put on an elevator. <laughs> and this was an in this was an inside parking garage. So once it went on the elevator, I have no idea where I went. Okay, it wasn't I've seen one. Of, a- You've seen them where they're stored away like little time save capsules or something. And they they park one, pick it up on an elevator, park another one, pick that up. Yeah. (laughs) The full-size Dodge dodge that weighs as much as the other two on the very top. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. But uh, we we go out for the evening, get some dinner. We go, we find the bar. I know nothing about New York City bars. In Maryland, everything closes at two. New York City was... Oh, this is the bar we found. We close at four, open back up at six. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Us being the people we are, degenerates, tattoo artists, we don't really ever sleep. Uh, we stayed at that bar until they kicked us out. 
Oh, no. Uh, we have a casting call in four hours. And a line I, to stand in. And a line to stand in. And I left my portfolio home. I Well, I left my, you had a pack, you had to bring 10 photos of your work that they keep. I right. left that home. No idea where it's at. Can't find it. Did so you bring I, your, the, your headshot? It was, uh, you know, your headshots, and then you had examples of your work. That yeah, whole did pack. you bring your headshot at least or not? I No, that was all in the same packet. <laughs> Fortunately, hmm. you know, I had, you know, backups. I had things on my phone and whatnot. So not only did I drink that night, I woke up hungover. And now I had to find a Kinko's or something like that to print these things before I go stand in a all day line with a hangover. Yeah. Probably still drunk Uh, four o'clock in the morning. Sure. I definitely was, which was why we walked to the casting call. It was only a few blocks anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But same thing, my buddy, my friend that came with calling him, Hey man, you ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. No answer, no response. And then finally I was like, fuck it i'm out <laughs> and i left them and i went to the okay cast. i was like i've I, i've done this game with you once we're not doing it again this is right this is about it, i'm always like i like to do things with my friends bring my friends with me this but you know this time i'm gonna be selfish like you're a grown man you could have got your ass out of bed too you know like did I'm he doing, make it ever or, or did uh, he not show up you mean a few hours later he actually showed up um it's now on princess eric it's nice to thanks for blessing cool. us with your presence oh no Give no it. no this isn't even eric that's the best part this was not eric i met eric in that line we stood together oh for okay hours. for hours eric and i stood in this line together shared our live stories like similar to what we do now just talking mm-hmm. blah 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 all the things these are my children this is my shop this is you know hope you make it man well, clearly neither of us did. I didn't get a call back. I don't know how far he made it through that process. And so I never called back anything. But through the grace of social media, which we now have, of course, we exchange each other's information, social media, all the things. And then just from that point, we never seen each other ever again. Until the day we were face-to-face in Grand Central Station and Ink Master. But over that time, it became a rivalry on social media. I don't know. You guys was calling each other out on work being done? Yes. And I don't know where it started. I'm not sure who fired the first Who drew first blood? Fired the first shot? It's good. It's God. That's got to have been at least 10 years now that it began. Well, who would, if you could... If you could, you know, control the whole story of it, who would it have been? Who would it you blame it on? Yeah, you no. take it or? Oh, 1000% would be. <laughs> that would probably would have started something like that. I'm, I'm never much of the first punch thrower. Okay. Yeah. Uh, everybody gets the benefit of the doubt until they ask me my opinion or they throw the first punch. Now, what um, do you think it was possible that some shade was thrown, but it wasn't really shade. It was offered in the idea of constructive criticism to you and that you didn't hear it the right way. Is that um, also possible or not? That is, that is extremely possible. 
Um, everything is possible. We never know until we ask that question. Um, well, yeah, you're too logical to not give me to, to make me ask that question because I figure you probably even thought it through yourself. But then also, you know, being a younger, angrier man of <laughs> a lot of times just instantly, man, fuck that guy. You know? Yeah. That's that's the sh- like least past the path of resistance. Like, do I really yeah. want to time out of my day and think about his his motivation behind that comment or just go straight to man? Fuck that guy. I had a friend offer that I should have used some lime green uh, or a darker green, basically, in to to add depth to a spot in a tattoo. Or man, I took it so bad. <laughs> man, fuck that guy. What does he know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he draws weird shit. His shit's ugly too. Man, like don't come at me with that. What- you know, the first thing it did was inspire me to go straight to his portfolio. Absolutely, one thousand. I'm gonna find some shit. And that's exactly what I had done back and forth. <laughs> now, being on Rivals, yes, we, we were the, the social media Rivals guys. We shit talked each other back and forth. Now, that's not real. Like, you know, that's internet gangster, keyboard warrior, whatever words you want to put behind it. But it's now, not a real feeling when you get there. Was there any kind of real feeling of rivalry there was- then? Like, this is a grown man who I don't know that well. And let's see, like, what he really meant by it. You know, there was mm-hmm. definitely, like, a handshake, you know, a proper greeting. The same way I would if I'm walking into the ring to fight somebody, you know. You think they were hoping uh, as the producers for something more? There's still a mutual respect here between us because we both do the same thing. We both have mm-hmm. found both grown men, you know. But like, but fuck you, dude. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm still, I'm gonna fight you. I'm gonna battle you. But I'm still gonna respect you as a man. Yeah. Like this is gonna be a clean fight. You know. Even though, like, you got a stupid haircut, or you know, <laughs> you call yourself things like the Polish hammer. <laughs> Does he call himself the Polish hammer? One thousand percent, he's called himself the Polish hammer many a times. Maybe off camera, so maybe I shouldn't have said it, but. Oh, that's, that's actually kind of awesome. I think I love it. Isn't it? Who is who is the Polish hammer? He wasn't Pulaski or something like that. He was a re- he, there was a wrestler, right? Um, I believe he was a Baltimore guy too. I know there's. Oh a- yeah, you can't take my Baltimore away from me. I'm the Polish hammer. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they're famous. Uh, whatever company was back then, whether it was WWE or whichever, there was a pretty famous Polish wrestler from Baltimore. That was kind of a big deal in that, in that world. That was the Polish, but I digress. Um, Yes. But, um, I didn't hate Eric going into the house, but living with Eric made me maybe dislike him a little more. Many may say. Yeah, what were his uh, mannerisms come right. off the wrong way to you? You didn't like his eating like, habits or you just fart in the elevator all the time? It's more of the, just like the cockiness of it. Um, I went in there, like, I'm, I like to think I'm a very modest, humble person. And like I said, I went in there with the imposter syndrome. Yeah. All these are so much more phenomenal than I am. They, they're way more talented, all of these things. And I think that about, people all the time and it may be a dysmorphia thing you have body dysmorphia my arms are too small you know but maybe they're not some i don't know how other people see me i know how i feel about myself so i felt you feel that 
he didn't see himself with enough of that. Absolutely. <laughs> he, told, he needs a dose of some of it. But and, and it wasn't only him, and it's not only him in the industry, but there's right. two types of people. I went in there to have fun, make a cool TV show, do my best. Potentially, if this goes well and I play this right, I'll try to win this thing. So other people come into it going, I'm the best motherfucker here. And I'm going to win this. And that and just I, pissed you off. He was a little more on that end. And that kind of annoys me of like, wow, you're taking this really fucking serious. Huh? Well, he is the Polish hammer. So let's put this in wrestling terms. Would you say that he is then the heel? And you're the hero. In my world and the way that, you know, my story went on the time on Ink Masters. One, hey, he's, he hasn't answered my email one, yet. So, yeah, that's one sided. It's fine here, Brennan. <laughs> 1000%. Um, I felt like every time I felt great about a tattoo I did, the judges would shit on me and then they would kiss his ass. And I would go, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> you think uh, they were doing that as a means possibly to inspire more drama? Or you think there was a control there by, by production in some way? Well, there, I, I feel like that's, you know, that's always in the back of your mind. Of course, nobody would ever admit to that's what they're doing. You know, that's kind of the oh, magic. Yeah, everything comes out of a, um, a random draw or yeah. the highly subjective, uh, uh opinion of the judges um one of you like a random draw put me on cell block 13 with the one dude here that was acting the fool that's that's why they wear earpieces because yeah well, just, it's interesting you didn't put that acting a fool guy with tattoo baby or hot rod alley or yes. one of the girls you so uh, kyle so doesn't play well with others i'm sorry no i'm, I'm fucking so, so tigers aaron kane is a guest judge one episode we had a biomech challenge aaron mm -hmm. kane god of biomechanical you know mm -hmm. uh, was our guest guest judge so i do my tattoo love my tattoo get applauded for my tattoo from my peers um excited good. excited to see what aaron kane thinks about my tattoo this like I don't really do biomechanical very often, um, you know. I, there's not a big draw for it around this area. I just, it's never something I've dabbled in much. Mm -hmm. But there's almost just not a big draw for it. People are scared that their tattoo won't have meaning, yes. and that they would have to then become the star of their life. And they're like, "It's a lot to ask." Can can uh, we just get uh, side note? Can we just get cool fucking tattoos again? Can that just be a thing? We just get cool tattoos. I, I like, and I suggest this, that the, the truth of the matter is that those people that are interesting enough that they can't even figure out what tattoo they want, those are the actual people that should get bioorganic or abstract type of art that can be outside. Cool. Well, they get to be the star. The, the yeah. tattoo is either to tell a story and communicate something to the person who sees it, or it is to draw attention to the person wearing it so that they can do the same. And if you have the ability with your mouth and your brain to tell a story that you think can entertain, then get something that, you know, 
bioorganic. Yes, I, I agree completely. Like it's beautiful. You get to wear something beautiful, accessorize. Mm-hmm. It, you get to show it off if it's done properly, done well, you know, and that's, that's all it needs to be. You know, it doesn't have to have 27 birth dates and Roman numerals. <laughs> yeah. And, why don't you just remember the date? Like, that's always weird to me. Like, like so you, you, you have Alzheimer's. But yeah. is this like memento or something? Do you, do you forget every day when you wake up and you need a constant reminder of the saddest moment in your life? Who wants that on them? The quickest way to ruin any good tattoo is to add lettering. Unless it's just lettering. You know, <laughs> unless it's just lettering. Yeah. I want a beautiful sacred heart tattoo that's going to be so colorful and it's going to be eye-catching and people are going to like then can you put my 37 relatives that have passed birth dates and the leaves of the rose that's with it and yep. completely jumble the whole thing and not make it art anymore but now make it you know a notebook or a journal or <laughs> i'm there with you man i'm ready to do more biomechanical <laughs> Wait, what was, but what is so what is determined of the piece you do? Um, the piece I do, you know, random skull selection for for your canvas. Um, my client had a severe heart problem. I don't remember exactly what the disease was. She told me she had died three different times. Uh, she was airlifted from one hospital to another for a severe heart surgery, whether I don't, I don't, I don't think she had a heart transplant, but I think she maybe needed one. Um, like I said, this was seven years ago. So she died en route on a helicopter to get to the surgeon that was going to save her life. They said she was dead for minutes, got there, was resuscitated, heart saving, you know, life saving heart surgery. Uh-huh still around to talk about it now she wanted a tattoo to commemorate this for her biomechanical no dates no lettering no anything like that <laughs> mm-hmm. but she a mechanical heart like it was on this tattoo was done on her rib cage and she wanted a view like you were looking through her ribs yeah like, like almost a ca- like a tear out or something like a well more of a cavernous kind of like bioorganic something was growing inside of her and then okay. the mechanical heart so the a heart that was keeping her alive that was mechanical and then like it was producing this life around it kind of i guess was the meaning that i was looking for so yeah. that's i love my tattoo i don't do a lot of biomechanical so i don't know all the little tips and tricks and and even the definitions because you know speaking to aaron kane he you know, there's biomechanical, there's bioorganic, there's bio. Like, I don't even know all of these terminologies. Right. So I research. When, I, I came up with what I felt was the best tattoo that I could produce with my experience and with my knowledge. She loved the tattoo. Everybody I spoke to about it, pats on the back. Great job. You're not going to be in the bottom. Like, you did good. It's a great tattoo. Um, Aaron Kane hated my tattoo. <laughs> Oh, um, darn <laughs> I was in the bottom. Me and Angel were in the bottom. Um, Aaron Kane loved Eric's tattoo. It was the strangest 
biomechanical tattoo I've ever seen. None of it even made sense then to me. Even the other artists, the other contestants were like, what the fuck is Aaron Kane talking about? But if anybody has uh, one, the, the most knowledgeable opinion is Aaron Kane. And if, if there's less controls over anybody that it's going to be Aaron Kane. Like they're paying him once like Ali and Nunez and Navarro, they're paying you a yearly salary. They're going to be able to get you to twist your words around a little. 1000%. So, and it, it, I guess it was more of a, that was a me thing. Like I respect this man so much. And he, mm. what I do, but he loves what my rival does. Yeah. Like <laughs> fuck everybody. Like, <laughs> They're all fucking nuts. They're all crazy. And also, I think this is one the only line that I remember Aaron Kane saying to me. He's like, the worst thing about this tattoo is that you did it so well. He said, the lines are so solid. They're so bold. And everything is um, saturated so well. It's going to make it really hard for me to go back in and fix it. <laughs> He's like, you're like, thanks. Every technical critique he gave me was great. Uh, He's like, like, technically, this is a beautiful tattoo. He's like, but I hate it. What was it that he hated specifically about it? He just said it was poorly drawn, and I clearly had no idea what biomechanical was. Blah blah blah. I I shit on his style pretty much. I guess. Well, but come on. Yeah. I mean, did I shit on your tr- style or attempt it? And 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 it showed that I w- I'm not proficient at. Absolutely. And a, a <laughs> lot, a lot of what he had said, what you know, because you meet your guest judge, of course, before you tattoo. Yeah. It'd be cool if you did it afterwards. You know, <laughs> you don't have this pressure of Aaron Kane's going to be the judge. Right. That would be kind of cool. But um, but Aaron Kane comes in and goes, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for these things, these things, these things. And one big one was, I don't want to see a bunch of gears and sprockets and pistons. These kind right. of things. But here you are in a heart. Yes. Well, I, the very first thing I think is it's got to have four chambers and, and valves at least, right? Yes. But I'm it, also... It, on a six-hour tattoo on the ribs, where yeah. ouch, it's and, the worst and... to get tattooed. One of the worst, you can argue that. Well, some of the worst skin to work with, as far as speed, mm-hmm. you have to take your time saturating. You know, very, very stretchy, very, very large amount of uh, skin cells there. And, also, you know as well as I do, when you draw a tattoo on a piece of paper, you lay that stencil on their ribs, they lay down and stretch out. Your tattoo now is twice as big as what you drew it. If not three times. Yes. And it all distorted to where you're like, how do I even read this reference, really? Absolutely. So I need to be able to stretch my reference and then almost look at it because this stencil does not match that. My, I got really client, my, really lucky my client was a rock. An absolute superstar. I've never, I don't think I've ever spent six hours on one rib tattoo. Maybe one other, another one of my awesome clients. I did a photorealistic 
Wonder Woman on her ribs. Probably push that. Six hours on the ribs is a long time to get tattooed. Um, she, I don't believe she made a face one time in that entire six hours. She could have gone good sick. on her. How how uh, how she does she could, feel about it when she's when it's all said and done? You guys still contact or not? Um, I haven't been in contact with her in a few years, but we 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 chatted a few times like after the show and whatnot. And she told me expressed her love for it and whatnot. And she's even contacted me about being uh, tattooed since. Just we kind of you know schedules didn't work out at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, she I had you know, the client that I could succeed with, you know, she sat like a rock. She was very open to my ideas. Um, I, I got an awesome client. So I was feeling very good about, you know, my, my, my challenge, my piece. I was feeling very good. I had a lot of good things going for me and then to have them just rip the carpet out from underneath of you and being on the bottom and down there at like, this is my first time ever being in the bottom too. And I'm like, and I, then did that also because Eric got a good critique. Was he, he down there as a winner? Eric as the number, like the winner for the week. He was voted like the judge's favorite. And I'm in the bottom. <laughs> right. But all peers, all of my peers are telling me that it should be reversed. But maybe they're telling him the same thing. So yeah, it's hard to know. say, huh? But. Uh, Rip the the, the carrot away from me. Did did you, you stayed after that though? You didn't go I, home that day. Unfortunately, a good friend of mine, Angel Bautha, uh-huh. he was he was sent home that day. That was one of the hard parts. Okay, me and Angel are in the bottom together. Angel's and pretty solid dude. Very solid guy. Love the man. Me and him were just talking two days ago, actually. Um, and we're in the bottom together and knowing one of us has to go home. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, like, of course, you get that rush of re- relief when they go, you know, angel, and they look at him. But that's quickly taken away when you look over and it's angel next to you. Yeah, we we're talking about the winning and the losing and uh, how you have to forget about the losers, say, if you're playing lacrosse or wrestling yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Just so you can feel good about yourself. Just be like, I'll stick over here with the winners. Yeah, yeah. But in tattooing, it ain't the same. Yeah, because now this is my friend that's losing. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, I mean, you know know, as well as Angel's such a solid dude. He had his head high. You know, he hugged everybody and was like, you know, go fucking kick their ass now. Like, this is on you. You know what I mean? Like, almost like, yeah, go fuck kick their ass now. He he talks like Mr. T. <clears throat> like he's such a solid dude like wasn't mad at all you know what i mean like i'm sure he was mad but to us he's like you got this brother you know what i mean that's where he that's where he, so he wasn't like man fuck you i was better than you you know so yeah so that almost feels good leaving that and coming back with some encouragement but one of the people that would give you encouragement is just left yes because that's how Angel was every day. Whether he was in your face screaming at you, fuck you, you suck. At the end of the day, he'd pat you in the back and go, like, I love you, brother. You know, <laughs> like, um, trying to think what else, but yeah, that, and oh, this is the big, <laughs> uh, peers' opinions and things like that. Um, I don't know the exact number. I don't remember the exact number, but I know it's at least five or six 
on our season they added the the canvas, canvas. um they added the canvas jury where the canvases got to pick their least favorite tattoo and their favorite tattoo mm-hmm. of the of the day Eric, oh, they had like every record for being picked being in the bottom for being the canvas's least favorite tattoos it was like a stretch there where it was three or four in a row <laughs> that put in the bottom every time but their opinion matters little to the judges and their highly subjective opinions absolutely <clears throat> but me being a professional tattooer they pay me they pay my bills they feed my children they do all oh, the I yeah not the judges the, the clients like, wait a second yeah <laughs> this is who i'm tattooing for i'm tattooing for myself but i'm tattooing for my clients as well there well on that me. show you got a tattoo for the tv eventually no absolutely. absolutely on the show that's where it was hard for me to separate of i want to like do my best for my clients and to me when the clients are booting you in the bottom constantly the judges have to look at that a little bit you know at least they have to take a look at it and like the general public who wear these tattoos yeah don't, don't seem to care for them don't seem to care for them but yet you think some, it wasn't did any of them say i just don't like his cocky attitude that motherfucker right there I'm saying, with the hair I, I i'm not sure how it worked with for the canvases but i believe it was i mean of course it wasn't blind because they're wearing the tattoos yeah, I believe that they, from what they showed us, any of it was personality-wise. Yeah, where the canvas was, you know, that guy's a really beautiful tattooer. But you I guys still keep in touch in touch at all, you and Eric. Every once in a while, and I, Eric, will will have a phone call here and there. Um, we we spoke recently, a few months ago, I think we had a phone call. It's, it's so all this was more about the competition, yeah, than it yeah. ever was about personality. Yeah, absolutely. It was more in just, and it was the, the competition. And I think that competition drove more of a divide between us. Um, okay. Because definitely when we would wake up in the, you know, you wake up at six o'clock in the morning filming or whatever. Um, you know, you get your coffee or whatever breakfast you choose. And Mark Longnecker and Aaron is are doing yoga out on the, out on the roof. Mm-hmm. And, and Aaron is doing a yoga and a speedo out on the roof at that. Um, <laughs> I have photos and videos of this, by the way. <laughs> but and I'm not doing yoga because I'm more of a I pick up heavy stuff and put the down kind of guy. Uh-huh. So, I'm, so I'm over there drinking my coffee and smoking my cigarette, <laughs> watching these guys in their underwear doing yoga. And yeah, you know, okay, just enjoying that, are you? you oh, it sounds like a Jason Clay Dunn moment. Absolutely, get your get your rocks off, you know. Fit in, you know, get in where you fit in. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, Eric would come out with his coffee and his cigarette as well. And we'd, uh, you know, talk about the day or what challenge is coming up next. And in a in a more of a friendly competition way. But then when, like, it's on and we're in there actually competing, it's like, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> you know, like. It's hard not. To, the, the competition will definitely bring some. Some traits maybe you don't even want oh, brought I, to I, the surface out. Like, like, 
uh, Mark Longnecker and I, we had a pretty good uh, little tiff there for one of the episodes we had. We had uh, both had the tattoo forearms on the same mm-hmm. guy at the same time, on the same canvas at the same time, and you had to put their forearms mm-hmm. together, and it created right. one, one photo. Yes. Uh, so now ha- somebody you're competing against, you have to design tattoos with and it's such a stupid concept for a competition. To, uh, to, at least one that's going to reward any kind of, I feel like in the consultation process, at some point you would have to level with the canvas and be okay. Check it out. I think you're a fucking moron. It's going to be hard to have conversations because obviously you're too fucking dumb to realize what is happening here, but you are about to get what the producers are hoping is one good tattoo and what they're also hoping is one extremely bad tattoo (laughs) why are you here today like i ain't trying to tell you to go home but you really got to let me run with this one because you're an idiot you're whatever choice i don't know you guys had to do it wasn't the snake one which one did you guys get we we got um it was a like a maritime battle like a war uh uh war at sea okay so this is, this is a kind of one of the easier ones to achieve, at least. Am I wrong? 100%, because there is clearly two different sides at a, of a war. Yeah. So it's one, you know, like you said, snake. That would be really hard if you put your arms together and have one snake be on both arms. And yeah. they just have to dance independently and together. Yeah. yeah. The, pretty- the amount of background or that you would have to work to try and make that work yes you couldn't be done in that amount of it well maybe i guess two hours two tattoo artists yes yeah, i i still i, I don't want to try to grasp <laughs> get that fucking tattoo <laughs> especially from me uh but um he wanted like a pirate ship beat up you know that kind of dirty grungy and then like the royal navy kind of ship on the other side to me this okay. one ship one side ship the other we're going to interlock them with the background. That's really all you can do there. You know, they're so um, we kind of just flipped the coin. Who was going to get the pirate ship? Who was going to get the Royal Navy? Everybody wants the pirate ship. It's way cooler. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we drive, you know, well, from my perspective, being like the dirty ghetto kid, more grungy, like. Right. What did you end up getting? You, you um, got more I, liberty with the pirate ship. Yes. Yes. You can do. You can. You have more you can make it more interesting with torn sails and things like that, where mm-hmm. with the navy ship which I got, everything was kind of like clean and sleek and straight and everything and we know what it looks like. Yeah. These um, other so, ships might have been altered, you know, like lowriders and choppers. Because yeah, they were you know, you stole one and did whatever you want with it. Well, and then we were, you know, the way that those tattoos would interconnect would be the background. So uh, Mark and I Worked together side by side all night long drawing these tattoos. I mean, we were kept, uh, we would draw our independent tattoos and then we would keep putting them together to make sure everything was cohesive. Right. The ship rates were the same. Like this wave crashed in this same spot, everything. So, what we happens did, that, uh, that gets you disappointed here? So, we do the entire tattoo. Six hours is up, everything's done. We put the tattoos together. They don't match up. What happened? Mark Longnecker changed his background Uh as he was tattooing. (laughs) Which is a lot of 
which a lot of us do. <laughs> right. You know, he just realized this would look better, and you think he was making a a, 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 a wave do this and put the I'll put the the, the sun here, and this wave is going to go here, and like you know, it looks better if I put this cloud here. Yeah. But did it look better? Did he? Oh yeah, he, he killed that tattoo. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so do you think he also knew then that not only was it going to look better this way, but oh. that he wasn't going to communicate with that with you so that well, you could be left one, out to dry? One thousand <laughs> percent. And he won. I mean, the the guy got me. You know, like All right. And the oldest was, trick in the book: never the trust the, your enemy. The way we're sitting, we can't see each other's tattoos. You know, this guy sitting in a chair in the middle with his arms outstretched. One, I don't know how the fuck you can sit that way for six goddamn hours, not having He's one a talent, huh? Yeah, that's. I don't know if they drug these guys or what, because oh, I <laughs> wish, right? But um, <laughs> how many times I wish they were just passed out. Um, and I don't know as well as you know with with the judges, they're sticklers on background. Yeah, don't do it. Basically, so, you're gonna fuck up. Don't do it, or if you do. Make it very simple. Yeah. So here I am with this really pretty ship. Very, in my opinion, kind of boring ship. Because it doesn't have any cool tears. Like this mast isn't broken. You know, mm -hmm. it has a lot of white and light colors to give that clean and royal kind of look. And a very simple, like soft sky background. What and do they think? Marks and marks. It's just this fucking hardcore badass pirate tattoo with like a storm in the background, and it's like it's wow. also kind of what he does, right? Is like One, seascapes, kind of, you know. Which is why I'm like, I'm. This is Mark's world, you know, water uh, <laughs> style. You know, like I'm following his lead here. Lead here for sure. He's going to lead us to the promised land, thinking to me. The judges are going to be like, you guys both killed this. Right. How do they, but they take it. You killed this, Mark. Yes. And it was Mark wins, Don, you're going to go home. You know, I, mm. it was not, I luckily I was not in the bottom of that, but that was 100% how it went. Um, I did get praised for once again, my technical ability. Nice. Um, I, I was not beat down on this tattoo. I was not told I did a bad job or anything. It was just, Mark did so much fucking better than you. It makes you look bad. <laughs> uh, but somebody else did bad that day. Yes. Oh, luckily somebody else did. And there we skip forward to a controversy that few know that you know things about other than what other people have been disseminated the information. Let's talk about uh little Joshua's marijuana habit there. Little Joshua the addict there. Let's talk about him. This is always a hot topic, and you know, <laughs> it's really hot. Uh, it's really a hot topic when you've actually signed confidentiality agreements not to talk about these things. Oh, are you serious? But, oh, dead ass. They had every remaining contestant sign a confidentiality agreement to never publicly talk about what actually happened. Whoa, 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 whoa! I've heard. So somebody's broken it. All right. That well, I don't want to get you any kind of legal hot water. They still is it still an actionable thing? I don't know. Because it's like two million dollars they usually have you sign for. 
was it 2.8 mil was the number that they used to like try to scare us with because but now what do they hold over your head in 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 the process because you're like i don't need to sign that that's true oh you didn't even you didn't even put that one to them i'm trying to i'm trying to remember how it went down like explain to me how my life gets to change from this because everything that you do after that that would be an effect would almost be like a whistleblower act that would give me actionable rights inside of a courtroom to seek uh you know well that's institutions i i've never actually stuck to that because i really don't care about talking about it i I'm not scared. <laughs> like, oh, really? You're going to talk about it? Okay. Yeah. I'll, yeah I'll well, fuck you. you guys. I'll give a fuck. <laughs> well, um, my understanding then, and I maybe if I just, maybe you can just wink. You don't even need to nod or say anything. I don't know. But my understanding is, and I know from the source, Josh planned on cheating of sorts. Also told me at one point prior to going on that season that um, he had no intention of uh following by the imagined rules but more just following by the rules and he was recognizing that there really were no rules he was rewarded when he used uh google searches once even though we were told to use getty images in this kind of a fashion and so from recognizing from being rewarded from that day for breaking the rules he felt that he would also be rewarded for having the largest amount of artwork available to him though no challenges are so he took three phones and he had like eight little discs that could go in them full of reference materials and artwork that he planned on using throughout the show and we saw him using it at some point uh, or we know that he was going to use it and not on camera perhaps as he was doing one of the challenges and sat in the back and says hey I'm not even going to bother starting on drawing. These guys are all being idiots. I'm going to sketch something first. And as he's doing that, he's actually covering his phone so that he can search. 1000% is what I have gathered from that as well. Um, I don't think you were supposed to, you were just supposed to like, like I was supposed to be like home once for yes or two for no. Or <laughs> Oh, no, no. Yeah, uh, uh, th- this is what I've heard from other people. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what i've seen for my my direct self you watch if you watch this episode Mm -hmm. i want to say it was episode 11 of season five Mm -hmm. dave navarro says towards the end before he actually sends josh home you have been found in violation of multiple rules (laughs) yes I paid attention to that word multiple. The only rule they mentioned on that episode was the smoking of marijuana. Right. Now, this is episode 11. Josh didn't just start smoking weed on episode (laughs) 11. He had been there for a while doing it. He had had it taken away from him and confiscated at one point and then had actually kept more and had more possibly even sent to him and then had to have that taken from him in the middle of the night as well. We we all have received care packages from loved ones. I remember my wife actually sent me a pair, a new pair of vans, a new pair of shoes. Well, wear Mm -hmm. these on the next episode. Wear these on the next episode. I thought they were nice. You know, we all got our little care packages that made us feel better. Josh may have received whatever makes him feel better in these care packages from home. Um, 
<laughs> um, Whether it be it, legal in New Jersey or not. It was not something that was hidden. It's not something that nobody knew about. It I understood other people were smoking with him, including Jason was smoking with him. But other people never was so disappointed about the smoking was more pissed off about the cheating. The very first night in the home together. Um, it's a big party of sorts. Let's all get to know each other. Let's have some beers. You know, we're just 18 people that were just stuck sent into a house together for mm-hmm. we don't what the fuck's going to happen. Let's let's get to know each other a little bit. You know, we have 14 guys sleeping in one bedroom. You know, we're go- we're going to be in close quarters. We don't want to get to know who we are. Right. Um, so I will admit I partaked in the pen because that's all it was. It wasn't flour. It wasn't like we were pulling bong rips around the house. <laughs> it was a little pen that was nice and discreet. You know, it wasn't like he was being too flamboyant about it and uh on the first i i did partake as well myself that was the only time i did because i'm just i was at the time i wasn't a very big marijuana guy yeah to be honest i was a little bit starstruck too by josh uh by jason more so okay yeah definitely i was a you know got along with jason great like we joked together a lot we had a lot of Good, a good laugh, especially that night. Um, <laughs> Jason's I, a funny fucker. I remember in one instance, me and him were both pretty stoned, and Jason looks over at me because I, had, I had gone up to the guys and I had been as real as I possibly be can be with them mm-hmm. about like how I am. Like with Ink Master, my, this is a big thing, I guess. I was a big fan of the show before I was on the show. A lot of artists come and go, I've never watched a single episode, hated the show, right. this is an opportunity for me, whatever. I was a fan of the show. Uh, my daughter, who has now begun her journey tattooing, Mackenzie, she was a huge fan of the show. Now we're talking, she's like seven or eight years old at this point. Right. That was one of our big things. Tuesday nights, nine o'clock at night, I'm going to be home, I'll make sure I'm home every Tuesday so me and my daughter can watch Ink Master together. That so was the, the show at several levels for you. Absolutely. So it was huge for me when I got the call that I was going to be on this show. If this was holy shit, like my kids are going to be proud of me. That's 90% of what the show was for me. Right. So I'm watching the season finale, your season finale, I believe season four, right? Well, you were mm-hmm. three. And- well, I was, I was on four and, and three. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm watching the finale and that's when they announced that Jason and Josh were coming back for season five. They announced it at the very end of the live finale of season four. They brought them out on stage, waved to the crowd, all of that. A lot of people don't know that we began filming three days after your finale. Right. Yeah. No, Josh was in town. That's when I talked to him was at the finale. Yeah, they were and and he was staying over and he was excited. He was getting paid money, which I understood. He also started to kind of put in people's faces and say things like, um, I know they're not going to send me home if they're going to spend this money on me. I'm making it at least halfway. There's no reason. He said, I refuse to come a contract that you have. 
I got my <laughs> own contract. And he would throw that in Jason's face as well. Jason wanted to come back for the show to just do the show. Jason, Josh would say, the only reason you got the money you got was because I argued for it. These were conversations they had privately in the home. Right. But which we also can imagine are true then. Yes. But I mean, even if, if I, it is, then I'm a, it, all for these, you know, this is their business, their money. I'm just a fly on the wall. I, I had no input on these. Well, I, just a fly on the wall, but you're a fan fly on the wall. Yeah. So at some point this kind of robs a certain of the mysticism too, and gives you some kind of idea of a uneven playing field. So, yeah, so I see these guys, and I'm like, well, fuck, man, that's kind of jacked up, because, as you know, we take a pretty large pay cut to put a, our lives on hold to go fill these shows for months at a time. <laughs> um, there was not much money involved in my first season. <laughs> um, so yeah, then, not more than probably 400, uh, maybe 500 bucks every week, am I wrong? Yeah, it was about right. I think it was, and mm-hmm. making that in a day a week and i talked about that also i had just lost my house we had just my wife and my me and my three kids had just moved in with my parents oh my god that feels great just just into one of those like hey we lost our house let's move in there let's bank some money so we can get another place that's mm-hmm. so i'm in this mode which a lot of people can you know have gone through in their you lives. feel like you're there to save the brady bunch ranch exactly and i'm in this mode and this is when i get the call Right. Hey, do you want to come do Ink Master? And yeah, that was right after a, a big housing market crash was kind of just finishing. So I imagine you were on the end of that too. So now it's do you want to go where you're already struggling financially with what you do have? Right. And then now, have somebody rubbing it in his face like, uh, I'm buying fucking Perrier water with, yes. with my winnings. So, yeah, I'm coming from that. Do you want to cut that? income by a third maybe Mm -hmm. but you have this great opportunity to separate it's like banking for the future kind of exactly and and i was fortunate enough that my wife who's now my ex-wife was very (laughs) who was very supportive of that awesome and like that allowed me to do that to make that step to have that opportunity. I mean, it was an absolute struggle. Every dime I made had to go home. You know, right. luckily they clothed and fed us, so I didn't need much money, you know, to survive. Everything I made had to go home, and it still wasn't enough. And a lot of people don't realize there's a big aspects of filming these competitions as well. Well, a lot of the better talent, especially in the in the beginning years, um, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it was hard, harder for them to get people like Jimmy Litwalk and people with reputations because they were good. You could get them come on for a show, but they were so booked up. Yeah. And they would, it would take such a hit for them to get paid that little that if they weren't willing to pay them like $5,000 a week, then it didn't meet, make sense. Many of them had shops. You know, I'm thinking specific, not just specifically of Timmy B, but, uh, quite knowledge of not, I know that Timmy B couldn't ever make the time really to be on oh, there. And, you know, it's tough for people like Jesse Smith to do the same. 
you really had to recognize that it was going to be a value to you or your product, you know? Absolutely. And also people don't get that while we're there, like we're not just stressing about the competition. You know, you got, you got your wife calling the dog sick, the car broke down. I'll give you an example. The Boston bombing um, went on when my wife was in uh, Massachusetts and I knew she was traveling through there for sightseeing. I was pretty sure she was going kind of the opposite way, but that shit goes on. And for, I don't know, it seemed to take forever to find out and, and to get a phone to get a phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. To just like, I need to talk to my wife. I need to know that she's alive. This is insane that yes. Like I'm in a dumbfounded and people first thing uh, that I was asked when I was, uh, who told you? Yeah. I I got mad at that point. Cause I'm like, it doesn't like, that's not, that's not how you address this situation is not who told me, who yeah, told me is fired for th- telling you that a bombing occurred at America, you know? Yeah, that, that might endanger my. What needs to go on now is someone needs to get me my phone and let yeah. me try and contact my wife. It's insane that you would try and come up with that. Like, let's not even worry about that. Like, that makes me mad. Our phones, which are in a safe somewhere, or we mm-hmm. have no are because we have no TV, no phone, no internet. You know, we yeah. have the whole the Gilligan's internet, Island song. The internet that we did have was those little laptops that they had given us. That did you we trust have- that. That we only had access to certain websites. Yeah. Did you, did you trust that? Uh, no, that, that not, little computer? No, not at all. It was terrible. You're like, they got a window straight into me, like 100%. Yeah. They're they everything. What they're doing. They know my Pornhub search history for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, this is all going on, and you have to like somehow have your, you know, head in the game. Yeah. Of filming a television show, still going to work that day, you know. And now you also have judges telling you that you're a piece of shit. You don't belong tattooing. And that your rival, let's not forget that he's doing fine. Yeah, and your rival is, you know, the best tattoo artist has ever walked. You know, well, I don't know. Were they they were giving Josh plenty of praise, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. Um you could see there was some reluctance there from Nunez to Josh. He now, at the same copy. time, Nunez yeah. had a text message with Josh. Did you, you saw this? Am I wrong? That I did not know. Okay. Hey. And maybe maybe I'm just, maybe I'm revisionist history, just putting something out there so uh, Reddit can go crazy. But I was quite sure that I was told that Nunez um, and Josh were texting and that Josh showed somebody in line a text from Nunez that actually said, probably shouldn't show anybody else this text <laughs> or, or this thread. Wow. Okay. Now I was out of the loop on that one, but I'm well, not maybe surprised. I'm making it up. Stay tuned. I, I, I we'll keep your season coming I'm, on. I'm totally not surprised. It I'm going to try and weed this one. Out. I'm pretty sure it was somebody in there. It, it's not like to me, that's, that's a very highly likely thing. Um, mm-hmm. Josh is definitely a bragger. Well, when we left uh, season four, might have even been three, I I got Navarro and Oliver Peck's number. And then I think season four, perhaps, um, after Navarro called me up, he asked if he could give my number 
to Nunez. And I said, yeah, no problem. So I've had it after season four, but it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me then as well that at one of Josh's leavings, you know how this it's typical. The guys usually come to you and they're like, Hey man, no hard feelings. You know, we're making a show. Uh, got to keep it entertaining. You know, your stuff wasn't on point for some of the stuff. We didn't think you'd make it as far. So we kind of play with it, whatever they say. Right. Yes. They, they give you their numbers or did at one point, they, they may yeah. completely not it now. Yeah. They, I have, I have nobody's number. Awesome. I, I was in nobody's number. Well, imagine as they grow in fame and popularity too. And the more conversations they have to have from people like me that send them stupid fucking, it's not memes. I just, I just fucking see these things. And so I'll take a picture. Yeah. yeah. They, well, for, for my season, they were very big on keeping us very separate from the judges. Right. So had, if this is to have gone on, then you would be very surprised and interested to know. And it would kind of make you think that there was something more behind the scenes going on. No. Yeah. Um, yeah that, I definitely would have felt that then. Well, I've just completely Joe Rogan this and talked about it as though it were fact. And then even asked all the well, proper ancient aliens type of uh, Oak Island questions. Well, so that many people will run with it as it is. So we'll... there, you know, there's 18 of us at home. Um, I'm sure I'm not privy to every little thing that went on. I do know most of them. I'm sure I've missed a few. Um, I I personally only had two private conversations with one of the judges, with either of the judges, uh, pre being eliminated. Um, one, I was in the, in the shop by myself on a midnight or so, just Mm -hmm. sitting at the drawing table, drawing. Uh, I was just like really dedicated about getting this drawing done. I went in a quiet space. So I left the loft and I went down to the shop and I, te- I, I was drawing down there and Dave walks in, blew my mind. I didn't even know he was still in the building. Right. Dave walks in, comes and sits down next to me. And he starts talking to me about my drawing, not anything like, Oh, you should do this, do that. He comes in as a fan of tattooing. Uh-huh. And he's like, he says, I never get to see this part of what you guys do. He's like, this is the part I always find so interesting. He's like, you know, the creative part, because, you know, he's an artist as well, being a musician. Right. Yeah. And I never get to see this side of you guys when you're just sitting down here with headphones and drawing. He's like, this how is long did part. he stay there? It was only a, maybe five minutes because I believe her name was Jamie, who was his PA. Right. Was like, pops, get, head like in, a... pops his head in her head in the shop, sees Dave sitting with me, and loses it. <laughs> Dave, you know you can't be in here. Let's go. Come on. And he's like, oh shit, I got in trouble. Because they have a boss too, you know? Yeah, he ain't losing his job though. Exactly. He's like, you know, that paycheck ain't worth it, this conversation. He pats right. me on my back. He's like, have a good night, man. I'll see you tomorrow. And he leaves. The only private conversation I ever had with Dave. Uh, my other private conversation was with with uh, with Nunez. It was media day. You know, where we go off-site. We film commercials, yeah. photo shoots. We, was that also the first day? Did you guys do media day inside of the Grand Central Station as well? Or no. Not? 
did media day like a week later. I, th- I want to say we had two or three episodes filmed before we even did media day. Oh, well, it was definitely like it definitely some people had already gone home. It was well, maybe it was the first week. It was early on. We've definitely filmed at least the first episode. And because it was weird being at media day. And I know there was at least one or two contestants. I believe Carol and Caroline was definitely there for media day, but she had already been eliminated by this point. And it feels funny. And then you're kind of sitting there with them like, you don't know. We are talk shit about you and fucking confessional. And, and she, (laughs) and she has to go do these photo shoots and she has to film these commercials as though she's not possibly embarrassed by the whole fucking thing. Exactly. And she has to be like, and she has to do these interviews of I'm going to win this and all of these interviews she has to do after she's already been eliminated. Wow. I can't imagine what that was like for her, but right. So look at it and just act like, Oh man, don't make me do that. Yeah, exactly. You know? And they're like, well, who do you think is one of the weakest? And you don't want to say the person that just got sent. It's pretty fucking obvious. <laughs> right. you, like, even... no you know, like, mm. and you feel for, you know, the human in that, I mean, you're there for a reason, and it's got to be very cutthroat, and you got to be able to separate yourself. But that's fucking hard sometimes, you know? Like, that's a human being, and I'm going to be friends with this person for the rest of my life. You know? Right. <laughs> like, you're in Which this you, fraternity. You have you know? had friendships that are like that as a result. Am I wrong? I certainly have. Especially with Caroline, because I believe Caroline's in Jersey. Not we're too far pretty, from you. Yeah. We're very close to each other. Um, I can't tell you, I think maybe Lubbock, Texas was the last convention that I did where Caroline wasn't also at that convention, you know, okay. like yeah. we see each other often, you know, a few times a year, a few times a year at least. And you share that same season. So yeah. So it's, it's a like camaraderie connected. We, you know, you know, we see each other out at the bar after the show. Like we have a beer together. We talk, we hug, we, you know, she knows my kids, blah, blah, blah. You know, I know you know, her family, her people, you know, I don't want to like say some really fucked up shit about her. <laughs> right. You know, and, and then have that be, I, I don't mean it, but I don't want to say it in the sake of good television. Right. Yep. When seven years down the road, like now I'm no longer on television, but. Well, you, as you, as you say her. that you're also weighing the knowledge that you have that they can take parts of what you say. And yeah. remove the. I love Carolyn. She yeah. needs to work on this or that. Yes. Now it's just she needs this or that. Um, Halo was a you know decent friend of mine. I knew him. I knew I knew Halo before he did the show as well. Well, he's out there in Severn, Maryland, so real close to you then. Actually, he's from. We're from the same like neighborhood. He's from Dundalk, where I live. Okay. Um, We'd know each other growing up or anything like that, but we knew each other. Um, We worked at the gym. So a lot of the times we would cross paths in the gym and we would work out together. Myself, my my brother, Eric and Halo, we would work out together often. And this is pre-television, you know, for either of us. Just tattooers in the same place. Um, I mean, Halo's phenomenal artist like by far one of the best in the state i could you know definitely say that he does all right for himself yeah yeah he's a pretty good guy um, but 
so one you know he goes on the show and he performs very well on the show um so he, he comes off the show i make i make it onto the show next season mm-hmm. and right away i he's you're not supposed to tell anybody ever yeah but you got to reach out to him i i text halo right away like guess what you know like they yeah want. and what, what the fuck do i gotta look forward to and, and worry about and all that right one of the biggest things he told me was they can only use what you give them yep so he's like you can be talking <laughs> about anybody in the house when it goes on television they can pick who it's about this like, is I, truth i can say you know caroline has no business being here she's the worst artist ever three months later when that's on tv it's called dunbar is the worst ever has no business being here right and i've witnessed it myself <laughs> oh yeah why did they change some words on you or what uh, change some words on me on one where i actually uh was talking about myself uh-huh and I'm pretty sure I was talking about one of the guest judges. I used the word. Oh, I said what came across television was my tattoos are mind blowing. Now, I have never complimented my own work in my life. And they would try so hard in those interviews to get me to say cocky shit. Mm-hmm. I think they wanted me to be the douchey cocky josh jock they put me in the baseball tees put me in the baseball tees open my shirt you know unbutton the shirt the spiky hair the muscles you're going to be the cocky guy you know the good looking cocky jock Mm -hmm. that was that was my that was my because they they had they had bubba kind of as that um absolutely character with the with the baseball tees always the henley tee that's the guy (laughs) <laughs> they always want that person I feel like the cocky jock now is that an aspect of my life absolutely but that's not all I am I'm not the cocky mm. jock in the tattoo world I'm the cocky jock in the sports arena in the sports world <laughs> Like in the tattoo world that's where the imposter syndrome comes in yeah you you, you didn't belong there well you lasted uh, as far as many of these people that you had to start to realize well, that's the actual caliber you're at, right? Yes, and that's the one that's where I go like, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> um, well, is this a good time to introduce my son? I don't know if you heard that or not. Oh, no. What do you say? No, my son just walked in the house and sat down on the couch next to me and blew off the nastiest fart. I think he's ever experienced in his life. And I wish there was a video because he's <laughs> dying laughing right now. <laughs> right on. He realized we were just full of hot air in here. I he was just going to add his own like, to it. I, I texted him when he was in school and said like, Hey, when you get home, I'm going to be doing a podcast. So just like, if you hear me like, you know, talking, like just know yeah, this. Don't, is, don't come know. in and fart on the mic. So he walks in, and I, give him the, I give him the hush sign, you know, the finger on the lips. And this asshole. Way to go. Here, here, here. What's uh, up, brother? How you doing? Good. Why are you so sweaty? Are you sure? Because he just, he's, he's keeping, he, he's, he just got out of school, you said, right? Uh, I got out like an hour ago. 
Yeah, yeah. and he just oh an hour ago. Never mind then. Well, I, he, I, we used to have the the syndrome of like you couldn't shit all day, you know, and then you would eat at lunch and your body's like, no, it's time to shit. And you'd be like, nope, ain't doing it till I get home. And then you would sit on that creating farts like what your boy just let out <laughs> just to build up inside you until you were literally full of shit. And then you would get home and you would see, you know, we only had one bathroom that your brother had the same idea, but he got out 15 minutes earlier because he was in a different grade. And so he was in the toilet still blowing that shit up and you're knocking on the bathroom and you're just blowing ass just like your boy did on you. That's what I thought. But if he's already had an hour to clean them bowels, then there's no excuse. It was the first thing he did when he got home from school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was taking shit. Yeah, it is. He the very first thing you do. He walked in the door, from the, gave him the like, hush, I'm on the phone kind of. You know, thing he walked straight upstairs. Okay, did whatever he did in the bathroom. He's thirteen. Could be a couple of different things. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he hates me right now. He comes back downstairs. He sits on the couch with me for about five ten minutes. This is when we were talking about Aaron's junk, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was sitting in on the on the the penis conversation. Yeah, and so he's uh, he's been saving this noxious gas up for a while, or been working on. Is what you're saying? Shut up, follow picked up a soccer ball whispered i'm going outside i was like all right buddy i'll see you later and he comes back in grabs a dr pepper vanilla cream from the fridge sits down on the couch next to me and just completely interjects himself into the podcast (laughs) what's your boy's name this is maddox yeah it's me it's good to meet you maddox uh he was was at philly with me but i don't know if you guys met or not um yeah, because he, he I, loves. I feel like I briefly waved at your your boy. Possibly, I think I might have been busy at, at the time. I know it seems because I know your daughter was by. She yeah, was getting like, tattooed by Rips. Yeah, she was getting tattooed by by Rips. Uh, Trent was kind of lingering with me. He's uh, my older boy, my taller one. And okay, Maddox, Maddox was um, he likes he loves the shows. That's so who we, I met was Trent. Then yeah, yeah, we go into the convention center and he's like, "I'll be at the stage, Dad." And he goes and does this thing at the stage, like. He is like he likes to entertain. He's an entertainer himself, so he likes to go watch the shows and. Oh, right on! What kind of entertainment? Yeah, and you know my kids like they know their way around around a convention center, you know. So it's like our right, entertainer is your is your son. What, what do you mean? Is he an actor, uh, a he, musician? A little bit of acting, and um, he does theater stuff. He's a he's as you can see a comedian, whether it's slapstick or <laughs> or just witty. fart jokes, huh? Fart jokes okay. all day. Or, Speaking of fart jokes, tell me about Redemption with Stephen Teft. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that was the best segue, but I, I do I do definitely want to talk about that because you end up going back and getting some sort of redemption. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, As somebody who I, didn't get that redemption on the show, how did it feel? This is how I meet. Uh, actually, my first redemption, I went on redemption twice. Right, the girl um didn't she was scared or something. She got was she a pinup girl? Um, she got yeah. the pinup from you. And I do a lot of pinup girl tattoos. And I don't know what happened that day. I mean, she was definitely right, Denise. And that was probably one of the worst tattoos I've ever done in my life, I feel like. Um, hated that tattoo. Still so hate lucky that. it was on in front of the nation, huh? Um, I'm even more lucky <laughs> every time that ink master and the, whoever runs their social media accounts still today want to post 
anything about Don Petticord or anything about my season, that fucking tattoo is there. <laughs> goddamn time. Got to like, give him something to talk about. That's what I learned, man. I knew they were going to focus on my shitty tattoos if I didn't try and push that little guy around. My 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 farm girl pinup girl tattoo was my fighting Chris Nunez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was my legacy of Ink Master. <laughs> um, but what the hell, you know? You know, there's got- some things there were some you could just be like a, a hashtag or something. You know? I, I could not be remembered at all. You know, I yeah. could. Yeah. That one guy that had the tight shirt on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does suck. They took away some personality from each season now. Yeah, uh, and the and the. You, they couldn't, you know, have graphic tees and stuff anymore where people could just be a personality as opposed to look like a, yeah, a character personality, a character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Jason, uh, creepy Jason seems to have worked it well for himself. Yeah. He's yes. like, dude, I'm just going to break up my shoes and fucking bowler cap. So fuck it. Yeah. Some people just have different skill sets and mm-hmm. minds more with words. And as you can probably tell from this podcast, that is, uh, it's more long, you know, <laughs> like long format. Well, they hate um, you then on the show. A, at I, times, I had this conversation with Shay, Shay Cheryl Chayton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, like Shay, why? Shay. Did, why did you pick me for this show? Like, I'm not the soundbite guy. Yeah, I'm the sit down and have an hour long conversation about this subject guy. I'm like, let's get to the bottom of this rationally with words. I'm not so much the flip the fucking table over, scream at you. And wait, you, you know, said you wanted to flick, flip the couch over when I, the girl said on the redemption, I, she says, hey, I, I don't want to do this. That was me containing myself. Actually, um, as another thing people do remember, I threw my sketchbook. Yeah, 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 yeah. That the the was, sketchbook thrower. Flipping the table over moment. And, that's as good as it gets and everybody goes I, i've run into people oh man when you threw that sketch but you could tell how pissed you were was it real then or what it's safe, are you giving safe. it to the camera at school i was literally just walking around and a couple of my friends walk up and like show me the clip of him throwing it. he's like dude is this your dad <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah he hates paperwork okay. don't let him see your textbooks you don't want to see what he does to them Right. So one of the things you don't know because of TV magic. Um, so I should we we have the whole redemption. She hates her tattoo. Part of the reason she hated her tattoo was because it was me. She wasn't a very large, she was a vegan. Not she wasn't large. She was big into being a vegan, was very proud of being a vegan. Mm-hmm. That's great for her. Um, I am a jokester. I don't care what your cause is, I will make fun of my own causes, I will make fun of myself. Um, so you didn't Our, like you making fun of her vegan cause. Did you tell her about exactly. the animal ink that you put into her? 1,000%. <laughs> but did you really? You were like, uh, my ink is no. not vegan free, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And they um, have not prepared any others for us. They're the sponsor. I, I, I did not. But one of the jokes I did say, Joe Maganello was the guest judge this day. Amazing looking man. Magic Mike. A few other shows. True Blood. He's been in some other movies and works. Great looking guy. He comes into the filming you know they come in the film while i'm tattooing and me breaking the tension like let's get the judges to like me you know make a joke mm-hmm. as you know how you can tell if somebody's vegan 
And they say, I don't know how. Well, if you wait five fucking minutes, <laughs> they'll close. tell you. And because literally every other word ever her mouth was, I want this because I'm a vegan. I want this in my tattoo because I'm a vegan. The vegan, vegan. Yeah. Vegan. Oh, all that joke my, pissed her off, though. All of you see, you said it wrong, too. You got to bring them down to the levels of Christians. You got to be, you know, how to tell if someone's a Christian or a vegan? Yeah. 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 Don't worry. They'll tell you. I do not look down at vegans in any way. I respect their, you know, their views. I am not one. I have two really great friends that are husband and wife that are vegans. Love them. Love them like family. Longenecker has gone vegan. He has. Yes. Mm -hmm. I I had an apprentice that turned vegan. I was very supportive of him. I would like talk to him about it. Like, so how's it going? Like, are you getting- Did you have to remove the mirrors from the shop? Right. Yes. Nothing changed really like that. He he uh, he removed himself from the shop. Actually, I think he felt like he didn't fit in anymore because ah. we're roast, you know, barbecues and whatnot. And, you know. But anyway, um, I can but, understand an amount of like not wanting to be around it if if it. Yeah. But but I don't understand. I don't know. So for this, I get the cruelty part, but there's 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 a whole bunch that needs to be addressed before you can expect other people to make the same types of sacrifices that you make, you know, and we're talking about a system now, you know, like make more falafel stands with a, you know, with just hummus or something. And maybe I can start thinking about it, but have you tried to be a vet? You might be able to do it in, in Baltimore where there's a city close by a Flint vegetarian is a skinny motherfucker. That is a non eating motherfucker right there. It's like, I don't know what you can even eat around here. Yeah, it's it's very it's, it's a very mainstream thing for us around here. I've I've had eat vegan food. I've gone to events where there was nothing but vegan food served. Um, I'm for it. I'm about it. I have no problem with it as long as the food's there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's no no problem for me. I I rant and rave. Actually, the the husband and wife couple I was talking about. Um, yeah, they run an animal uh, shelter here uh, close by. It's actually it's Harford County, not Baltimore County, but it's still we consider it Baltimore. Um, it's called Luna's House, but they have these events. They chop every- up the babies for sausage. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. They have these huge events every year, fundraisers to help raise money for the animals. And they're, of course, vegan. Um, all the events are vegan. And I ran in and raved still about the the caterer they had last time. It was delicious. I loved yeah. it. It was vegan. What do the dogs eat? I yeah, right. Well, that's that's the the thing they that's why they don't have snakes they have every type of animal but snakes or because they don't because they have rats and rabbits and things there too so they don't want the snakes to eat them but anyway it was my whole point was i don't hate vegans and i wasn't trying to insult her for her life choices i was making a dumb joke she didn't see it that way she didn't see it that way but i'm mid tattoo this isn't before the tattoo this is I'm halfway through. Yeah. Now she's kind of stuck. Yeah. But that I just fucking, makes every second even worse for her. She feels like I, she needs to get a go get a sign and start protesting I, your opening. I hate the man that's tattooing me right now. But yeah. I but I can't not let him, you know. So fast forward, she hates, you know, whatever tattoo. She comes back mm-hmm. for that tattoo. Uh clean is my Instructor, challenger, instructor. Okay, he, he was helped me. He was my trusted mentor to make her feel comfortable with getting tattooed by me. I follow. They they but, tried to take a different direction with redemption after a while. Then, huh? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I yeah, that was that was the experience I had. So like now, like maybe will you let Don tattoo you again if Clean's helping? Yeah. Like I did his help, you know. But um Will you let Don's over uh manly presence be around you if there is another overly manly presence around you? Right. So we go through the whole thing about what she wants. We design the tattoo. Clean does help me a lot. He's a very knowledgeable craftsman. He you can learn a lot from the guy. Um yeah. He does help me a lot. We come up with a great design. I spend the entire night. I stayed up all night in the hotel drawing this design. We come back the next day. I present it to her and she loves it. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so great. I love it. I would love to have this tattoo, but I don't want you to be the one to do it because I don't like you. Right. Well, clean, clean doesn't like that. Then I'm betting he doesn't jump on that. Does he? No, because he's kind of just like, hey, I'm just I'm just here helping out. I'm not taking a side. You know, he's kind of like taking that kind of point right. of view. He's giving me, he's giving her his confidence in me, though. Right. right. Like Don would kill this tattoo. I have faith in him. Like, you should get it. You know what I mean? He's being right. supportive and all. And she, she just goes, like she literally goes, I just don't think he's a good person. <laughs> Now, me kind of taking pride in her. They didn't put that on the air, though. They do not put that on the air. Because Dave stops her, points at me, and goes, Don? You're saying Don's not a good person? And he says, he's probably the nicest person we've ever had live in this house. Or he says, "He's, he's probably the nicest person we've ever had on this competition. Because I'm very free flowing, like water, like Right. Like, huh. He's like, he's the one guy that nobody like fought with or hated or anything. So he was kind of like, what the fuck? And that's what, that's where I threw the book. Oh, really? She was still on set at the time. Yeah. She was standing right there. Like, or I think she was walking away. And that's what I was pissed about. I was pissed about her saying he's not a good person. And being, thinking that she can walk away with the final word on it too at that. Yeah, pretty much. Where I'm just kind of like, man, I kind of take pride in that. I take way more pride in like how I look to other people, how I right. look, as, or how I look as a man. I take more pride in that than I do in that tattoo I did on you. You know, like so that's what got that reaction from me. She could have told me all day long that she doesn't like my tattoos, and I'd have just been like, okay, but these other hundred thousand people do, you know. Right, but talk about you as a person. Yeah, is is, is a line that uh, I think who is it? Dave knows himself, right? They try not to cross that all the time. Absolutely, and Dave had my back too. Dave, I like, I was like, wow, like, yeah, I thought so too. And actually, there's a a line that Cheryl even said too one time off camera. Of course, she go because I was pissed off that something happened, and I thought it made me look like a bad guy. When it was just a misunderstanding, it was a thing that happened with Julia and she had some personal life shit going on and they mm-hmm. made me and kind of attack her. And then oh, I yeah? had some shit going on with like her children and stuff like that, which, you know, of course, I'm not going to talk about because that's private her stuff. Yeah. 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 So like I but they in, asked you to attack her when they knew that she was at a vulnerable state. Well, well, I was like pissed off about something that she had done and I had let the producers know like, hey, if that happened in my shop. This is how I would feel about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you want to go tell her? I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll go tell her. 
like perfect time because she just yeah. had a bunch of bad news coming from home. Exactly. And I that's the thing. I had no idea. Right. So I go and I'm just like hammering on her. <laughs> like I'm like, it's fucked up that you talk to your client that way. Like this was bullshit. If you worked in my Always, shop, that was she was going through stuff like that when that client, that big bodybuilder dude, she yeah. beasted it out on. Yes. People are always amazed by that still. They talk, they're like, I remember this girl right here. She, uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll talk about nice, the body. Have a nice life. Go fuck yourself. Is what she <laughs> said. I'm standing 15 feet away from her and heard the whole thing. And you could have heard a pin drop in that entire shop. And everybody's head shot, shot around. Meanwhile, she's going through some real life shit. And that when and... it happened, I went, good for her. Fuck that guy. Because. Yeah. You see the sweet, innocent Julia, squeaky, like bubbly, happy person, and then you, of course, you see the big bodybuilder macho guy. He, but must they be- don't show him being um, a problem really so much. It seems like, they make him seem very, uh, you know, like willing to work with her. Yeah, but then they, so all this goes on, and then they take us after the fact, after the tattoos are done, they take us into the into the critique room, the judges' room, and they show us the entire video mm-hmm. which i don't know if that's ever been done before that's interesting they went back and like let's check the replay they with, with every one of the contestants which was a few a good number of them at the time every one of us were in that room julia wow. was in that room every one of us were in that room and they played back their entire interaction for every one of us to see the entire thing every word said everything and then we went, wow, Julia was the asshole here. Oh, really? So they call her up to the front to the mark. Now Julia is standing there with 10 of us behind her, the three judges, and she's by herself, like pretty much on trial now for how she talked. Mm-hmm. Not about tattooing, not about anything else, about how she handled this client. Meanwhile, she has this shit going on at home, like real life shit, not television right. shit, not tattoo, real life shit. Yeah, so the kind of stuff you, you don't even want to talk. Yeah, I follow that. She's not letting us know because it's none of our goddamn business. You know, like right. she, we're not her family. You know, she doesn't know. But she doesn't have any emotion left for the show. Yeah. So she's there. She does this. This all happens. And then they bring the guy out, too. So he they choose bring- her out a bit more are out more and all this is going on and by the end of it like me going like yeah fuck her like she's an asshole to that guy like i would have fired her too and also like this is a competition you can't be like that to people like i could you know that's one person like she's in my way of winning you're like this person is going to talk to a client that way is in my way of winning you know so i'm pissed is off that about the way they got you talking about her yeah, yeah pretty much like so i they, they didn't even give me that that's kind of where i was at with it you know Okay. Yeah. They never, they never asked me to say things. I had my own opinions, and I would tell them what they were, and then they would be like, "Okay, well, go, go tell her." Okay. So, um, I did that, and I'm in there, and I'm like, I'm like, look, I, I tell them that's where I tell my story of how, look, I just lost my house, my wife or kids are at home with barely any money because I'm not sending them any. Like, we all have shit going on. Like, and that's what she just kept saying. I have stuff going on at home. I have stuff going on at home. And I'm like, look, we all got shit going on at home. This isn't fucking charity master. You know, we got to deal with it. Right. And then she tells me 
what it was that was going on. And this is, they aired, they aired a lot of this conversation. They didn't air this part, of course. What was actually going on? What was actually going on, they don't tell you because that would have been really fucked up of them. I kind of wish they would have scratched that whole conversation because of that. But no, they won't do that. It leads, it leads. It's me telling Julia she's a piece of shit. And then you see me storm out of the room and say, I'm not doing this bullshit. That I'm not doing this bullshit was directed to the producer. Right, yeah. And they say it as I'm walking past the camera because like it's literally me walking past the camera really really like really close like get out of my fucking way because she told me something that i would be devastated by too and so i would break on the fourth fall. law but there's no way or wall but there's no way the viewer can know it by exactly. the way they edit that out in context that's how the conversation ended exactly so that was i was so i was ready to go home that day when they did that to me and I was like, I can't go in there and rag on somebody when they're having true, like, you know, shit that involved their kids and stuff. Like, you're having me in here yell at this woman, like, put her through all the shit you just put her through, like, on trial, pretty much. And then you got me in there yelling at her, who has no business yelling at her, but we're making a television show, so I am. <laughs> and I'm like, I will not be that guy. You now, know did, I mean? And other people there then did have the context. They knew that. The ones prodding you to yell at her about these things the producer 100 knew about it right like i don't know that they knew about it but if that's happening to me at home i'm gonna go to my producer and be like hey i got this news like it's bothering me just so you know like i do that like hey take it easy on me today you know i just found out x y and z yeah but then then you do have to wonder it's almost it's it you have the fear then though of you have to trust that person because they right. could use that knowledge against you it's like people using a blinker here in michigan that, they know you're going to be getting over they're going to they're going to speed up and, and and get in your blind spot or right there next to you and be like no nah, not today motherfucker you're staying all, on the highway another exit that comes back to everybody has a boss that producer's yeah. job best fucking tv show she can yeah. Think she's going to let some gold like that slide by? Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's the good stuff. That's what we're paying them for. That's that's her win. You know, that's boom, got this. Like that add that to my resume. I made this episode. You know, like <laughs> You think that's, that's on her IMB or her um her LinkedIn yeah, then? Is just it, a list of the people she's made cry through reality television. You know, that's when they go to apply for a promotion or a new job too. Uh-huh. Hey, I'm the producer on this show, go look at my yeah. work. You know, like- yeah, I worked with this person, especially. I want be like, you know how um, bomber planes, you know, would have a for each one they would knock down. They would they would get it like a stamp or whatever, and then you know, football guys they used to sack quarterbacks or whatever, so they put yeah, yeah, the yeah. number of sacks they'd have on their helmets and stuff. I used to put Could that prostic. For people I would knock out of games. Yes. I understand. <laughs> Could that be what's going on here as well? Well, in a way, yeah. I mean, because you know, she has, you know, whatever producer, you know, that scene was like uh Shay, like you know, Andrea's. Oh purple. yeah. Shay's yeah. IMBD is filled with I've made 37 contestants cry in my long illustrious career. One thousand percent. And like 
But that's why she gets that job because she gets the job done, you know? Shay was pretty awesome. Yeah, she definitely is. And fortunately for me, she was not my story producer. Um, I did work with her, you know, sometimes, but like she wasn't like my day to day go to, like, right. because, but it made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, we're all just doing a job. Her job is to make the best television show she yeah, can, it's to make people cry. She's Barbara Walters of the reality television world. Absolutely. And I don't hate her for it, you know? I was pissed off in that moment. I told her I'm not doing this bullshit. And she kind of rolled her eyes and went like, she's her, her line to me was don't worry, Don, we'll still make sure you look like a hero. Uh, she hated that. I didn't want to like be in these fucked up conversations. Really? They, they hated that. I didn't want to like, be, a, be a, like, uh, you I always want, had to be a good guy. Yeah. I don't like piling on okay. people that are having a bad day. You know, like, no, I, I can I see. Listen, I should probably be, be madder because the many times I've asked you to dish, say, about Eric uh, Suda or Jason or Josh or yeah. even Steve Teft, which I actually didn't try to get you to dish on him. You have crafted this conversation as well as any politician to give no information out and just <laughs> leave. You know what I mean? You're like, no stones unturned. You're like a good camper in an area. Well, and you're like, man, I didn't even know they were here. Well, I will leave tell nothing you, behind. Um, if I had to fit, fist fight any contestant, it would 1,000% be Joshua Hibbert. Oh, yeah? Yeah, 1,000. Well, come on. You're going to look terrible, that one, even when you win. Right? He's a yeah. tall guy, but I he's did. not physically statured in any way like you. <laughs> that's And that's why I never attempted it. <laughs> <laughs> but he pissed you off enough that you're like, somebody deserves a fat lip. It, well, well, I used to, I would try to do it the way he would try to do it. And I would lose because he was better at the game. I would try to do it on, on camera, on TV. Mm. So he had no problem getting in somebody's ass, talking shit about him on national television, making you feel like a piece of shit. He had no problem with that. But he also knew how to stop it when you would do it to him. Because mm. there's a few scenes where I actually tried to do it to him. He was the only guy in the house that I like went like, I want to fucking get his ass. Everybody yeah. else I got along with. Even my rival. I got along with enough where I'm like, I'm not going to try to make you look like shit on national television. But like Josh just like instigates. He fucking, you know, <laughs> fucking, like I did not care for him off camera too because of that bragging cockiness of, huh, I'm the reason this show's here. You know, I'm, these producers worked for us. Without them, they wouldn't even have jobs. <laughs> These words came out of this man's mouth. <laughs> they are human beings. <laughs> the, uh, I love it, though. I right? mean, and I that, just love it. That's, to me, is part of why he got eliminated. No, the only reason you ever get eliminated from the show is because it's entertaining. The only thing that's ever on television is because they think it's going to sell and it's going to be entertainment. That's why he was eliminated the way he was. You know, marijuana thing being a hot topic right now, like all that, mm -hmm. why he was eliminated. Well, it was hotter then. Even. A lot of, yeah, I mean, most of the country now, I think, is lenient or decriminalized. It, it was still like... Yeah. But then it was polit political. It was big political. It was only uh, five or six uh, states, that, if, if, you know, even that many, that had so legalized it. Took two days for them to decide if they were throwing Josh off for that or not. And of course, hmm. they're thinking, well, we're talking the legal and we're seeing what can be done, blah, blah, blah. No, they were building a fucking story. 
you know, they were, they were building it up. They were doing that. They were checking like, you know, with their writers or who were they filming with you guys at the same time or not? Absolutely. And they're going to us like, what are your opinions on this? What are you on this? And most of what was filmed and most of what was said was about him having the backup cell phones, about the cheating, all of that. Not one of us said anything about weed other than clean. This is a direct quote from clean and I will remember it forever. Clean, uh-huh. as you may know, is straight edge. Doesn't drink, yeah. doesn't smoke, doesn't do anything. You uh-huh. wouldn't, wouldn't think that meeting him like, damn, this guy's a meth or something. Cause he's got that energy. <laughs> but Yeah. He's straight edge. Like when he would do a shot with us at the bar, he would do like grenadine. You know what I mean? Like straight edge. Yeah. He goes, he's like Josh's argument for having, marijuana on the show during the competition was that it relaxes him it helps him with his art and it <laughs> oh. yeah i can already see where this is going Bean i know said, what blow, blow jobs relax me <laughs> yeah if he can have weed can i get a hooker in here every once in a while to give me a blow job to help <laughs> me relax that too better and i remember raising my hand going i'm on that train too <laughs> yeah i'm with clean on this one right is there a negotiation? Can we arbitrate this? I know you guys aren't union, but there's a lot of us that feel the same way. But nope, also, girlfriends are not allowed either. Going on, they got Josh out of the house. When this all came to light, you think it was because they were worried that they might have to, in a, honor of fairness, that they might have to buy hookers for you and Clean? No, I think they removed them from the house because they didn't want us to hold back on what we were going to say because you know when somebody's sitting right in front of you what you might say about them might be different than right yeah but josh is one of those special people that he seems to be able to get you to say mean things about him to his face love to be there because that's what (laughs) or he was there for that yeah wanted that turmoil he wanted that look at me look at like this show's about me that's josh he wants the spotlight and he doesn't care how he gets it. You know what I mean? I so, don't know that you're wrong. We heard several things that that he had said in, uh, I don't know that it was ever on camera necessarily, but he had made mention many times that he was there to further his career in, in entertainment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, he was, sees himself as like, I, I know he does a lot of stuff with music and whatnot. Have uh, you listened to any of it? Um, I have Blue not. Team. I've had him on here. Yeah, He's, yeah. I'm gonna have him launch his plat- his, his next drop. I'm gonna have him launch it from here. Very cool. Or drop Very it from cool. here. I don't know if that's I, true. I'm I, actually making I, that up. But <laughs> he actually came. I was doing a live the other day. I was giving away a free tattoo on a contest, and uh, I so I did it on Instagram live the other day, and he had uh, he was watching the live, and we were kind of chatting through that way. And that's the first time I've talked to Josh in a few years. Yeah, he's an interesting kid. He's diagnosed himself at this point, uh, I believe, with help from a psychologist, as being um, autistic. Huh. I mean... Yeah, it changes your perspective. I I don't know enough on the matter, you know, but I mean, I, I can see that you know like <laughs> yeah but you don't I mean, you're like it, it almost like puzzle pieces go together and then you're like oh is that why autism has the puzzle piece is that right? the, that's the thing is because now i'm figuring it out i'm like okay I, that makes more sense 
I, you know, I have you know some experience with you know people on different levels, but like, yeah, I don't know enough about it to say like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like I don't want. Well, I do know this about it. Even if you will uh, self-prescribe as it, then that means something to me. Certainly means yeah. that it is your belief, and if it's not, it's it's your imaginary handicap. And I know about imaginary handicaps are real handicaps. So it's a fucking handicap. Like I'll imposter. forge it. They're kind yeah. of like a syndrome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you're autistic, yeah. bro. Yeah, maybe. maybe you just haven't diagnosed yourself. Properly. I've definitely, I've been called a few, few words before. So, <laughs> well, um, and I don't mean to try and make light of it. If that, if it comes off that I, I seem to be making light of his diagnosis of it, I believe there's a lot of possibility of that and i would imagine inside of um, uh, america's you know healthcare system that is now is the most robust for people that might fall, fall for the through the cracks high level functioning autism might be more common in america than we think and yeah i could definitely maybe see that out of josh in like some social aspects mm -hmm. because i <laughs> oh this is one one thing i did say to him and they didn't air and i thought it was a pretty good line um, I, I looked, <laughs> was sitting next to me on the couch and I looked at him and I said, I don't know how you don't get punched in your mouth every fucking day. <laughs> uh -huh. I was saying it as like a friend, like he wasn't like coming at me. It's just some of the shit he says. Uh -huh. Yeah, man, you like you must really know how to fucking fight. Because if you say some of these this shit not with a camera in front of you, like you would get fucked up with all the people that I know. <laughs> like, it's interesting. Uh, what was his response? I'm like, is is Oregon just that so happy and liberal and like everybody like there's never any violence whatsoever that you can just go around and say anything you want with zero consequences? You no, know, I think we saw not so recently that that is not the fact that there is well, plenty of violence in Oregon. That was his uh, that was his thing. Well, this is this is how Oregon is. Um, he was he's very big on the pdq and you know he's very proud of where he's from which everybody should be what is pdq um i guess that's some kind of like code for like where he lives in portland or something i, I believe it was okay PD or pdx maybe okay but he was always talking about that and you know he, he would rep like his you know his hometown a lot and he would talk about how liberal it was and everybody's just like you know way more free thinking than other parts of the country, which is true. Um, but I'm like, the first night we were there, there was gunshots outside of the studio. Uh -huh. Did you say that was like Oregon? We're No, we're all on the porch drinking, you know, hanging out, you know, the outside. We hear the gunshots. Josh runs inside and calls his wife and was in the bathroom, like crying to his wife about hearing gunshots. And he's like, man, somebody just got shot out there. This is crazy. Where the rest of us never even like, Lynched. We just went yeah. like, yeah, this happens every fucking day. <laughs> like, yeah, he he gets moved by it. Yeah, it's like emotionally. My, yeah, myself, like Ryan Eternal. Um, we we were talking like, dude, like, what? You heard gunshots? I I don't even notice. You know, because I'm from Baltimore. He was from from shitty areas. We had the, and he was like in the bathroom, like actually like hurt by this. Like scared, scared enough that he felt like he had to go get his phone and call his wife hmm. from hearing gunshots a few blocks away. Would you think it, it, I? Would you think that it was fake at first? 
I know I didn't. I, I thought that was 100% real, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't doubt you. And I, I, like, I, but I, just, when I first encountered that kind of behavior from him, I had already been very distrustful of him. Yes. And so my first reaction was this guy was fake. But then he started being that way about things completely unrelated to the show or the. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, you're like real. But when the bombing went off in Boston, like I found out my wife was cool. And I guess no offense to the rest of the world, but I was like, all right, my day went back to normal. Like nothing so, changed for me. So that and, was and he found out about it later that night. And he comes into everybody and he's like with tears in his eyes. And I'm like, oh, so you're like this on other shit. So here's the counterpart story to to that story. It's like one thing. So when we we were allowed to get our phones every once in a while, I heard you guys like almost never got your phones. We got ours. Uh, little- we we did we did this and that. I I got their phones for them <laughs> more <laughs> than they had had it. They were trying to take them from us and keep them from us quite a bit. Yeah. And we we I had I made a stand for it. And because I came back from a previous season, I had a bit of like leg to stand on. And it was an easy one to form everybody's opinions around too. Like, That's hey, true. everybody, you guys also would like your phones? All right, let's do this. Yeah, nobody's let's form gonna... a union. Yeah. Well, so we got our phones and I call home and I'm on the phone with my daughter. Um, like I said, she's probably about 10 to 12 at this age. Yeah, she's about 12 years old, I think, at this time. Mm-hmm. So I call my daughter and you know, me being the dad of like, I want to impress my kid and I want my kids to think I'm cool. I put her on the phone with Jason Clay Don and Joshua Hibbert because, you know, she was a fan of the show and she's literally on the phone crying like, oh my God, these guys are movie stars and they're on the phone with me because that's how a child, you know, sees us. Yeah. And she's just She's in tears. She's so happy right now. And I Josh says, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to send your dad home. He made he made a couple of little jokes like that with her. <laughs> but like he had such like he was so like sweet to her. Him and Jason both like they were so sweet to her. Like, you know, talked to her for a while, like made her feel like, you know, important. We get off of the phone. Everybody else leaves the room and it's just me and Josh. And Josh comes up and hugs me. And he has tears in his eyes and he's literally like crying. He can barely get the words out. And he goes, thank you for that. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Like, he's like, thank you for putting me on the phone with your daughter and letting me see like the impact that I have on other people like that on and on kids, especially positive. And yeah, exactly. And I was like, wow. Okay. Like I was like, I was moved that he was moved by my kid being moved, you know like I mean? Like <laughs> that was like a whole different side. Like, wow, you aren't a robot. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, wow, it's not fake. Like you said. Yeah. And uh, you like, don't know not, how to take that. It's because like, you're, you're not, like, that's not like, a normal thing. Yeah. Like you're not just, a, you're not a dick a hundred percent of the time. Wow. Like, it's like a 10% kind of a thing. And then you still seem to think you should be able to operate like that. And you don't realize you need to know. <laughs> yeah. There's many levels of the understanding of Josh that I find that um, I'm just really glad I'm not competing against him anymore. Yes, he is. I feel like, well, 
I think he takes a lot of things to heart too. Like when Nunez mm-hmm. told him his work was like soulless and he couldn't okay. draw and all of these things. Um, and I think that's one is a big part of him coming back for the next show, not just monetary, not just for attention because, you know, we all like a little bit of that, but I think it was like, I want to show the world that like, I'm better than what Chris Nunez always told me I was, or Oliver Peck or whoever it was that said those lines. I think right. he had that in him too. So he was like working pretty hard, you know, like off camera behind the scenes, like drawing and trying to paint and stuff like that. But then mm-hmm. he was also trying to cheat the system too, with taking right. a spot a pot at the farm. And he walks around the corner and somebody sees him with a cell phone. But it's like, how do you have a cell phone when everybody's cell phones are supposed to be in the fucking safe? Right. Did he did he respond? That was a question asked to him. Um, he didn't. He he never hit it. Like, really? It, he he like he liked to be. I think it was because like maybe I don't know what his upbringing, what his childhood was like. I got in a lot of trouble when I was a kid. You know, in school and stuff, I got bored, so I mm-hmm. you know, do shit. I feel like he was probably like a really good kid. And like he wanted to act out that bad boy kind of thing. So he would do things that were against the rules that may have been somewhat immoral or just dickheady. And I think it was like an almost like, ha, look at me, I'm a badass like you guys. Because <laughs> most tattoo artists, like a lot of tattoo artists have like you know, a lot of us have a record, may not come from the okay. best. Area things like that there's not too many people with money from fine art degrees and shit like that to become tattoo artists you feel like his actions kind of gave him some street cred and i feel like trying to do like you guys are all tough guys you know you guys are all badasses and motorcycles and blah 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 you know what i mean you come from tough cities and i'm the guy that runs in the bathroom and cries when i hear gunshot right tough guy and the bad guy like you guys i want to be the tough guy the rule breaker that's the way i envision josh as, as to for his his more justifications or his his um desire for the cheating that, that he was using and I, yeah and i think that's kind of what that was because he would do it and then he would come brag to us about it not not that like he wanted to get caught because that was his subliminal like being like man i really need help i'm doing this thing but more that he liked the attention because of the camaraderie that it, it could give him. Yeah, I think he just wanted to fit in. Or feeling of acceptance. Yeah, yeah, I think kind of what it was. But then it's like on the other side, he's like this insane, like creative mind that's like amazing. Like he's an amazing artist. And and then he's like, he's trying to like balance the two. He's trying to be the mm-hmm. cool guy, but then also be, you know, the creative guy too. But um yeah. like the time he with the the marijuana thing. So he gets caught with it, confiscated from him. About six hours later, he's in the house with another pen. And he Blowing did this, it in people's faces. And he did this on purpose, what I feel like was on purpose. He was out in the open with it, blowing it in people's faces. And he literally says, they took that one, but they won't kick me off the show because I'm too important to the show. And I have another one. Well, he they left. I think Andrea came and picked them up and left with them and had a meeting with legal and all that. I don't know what they really did, but that's what they told us they did with them. And he came back and goes, they can't get rid of me. To us. Like after they had that meeting. After that meeting, he comes back. But and, they oh, did get rid of him. He was wrong. But everybody was like, dude, what happened? What happened? 
like, are you going home? Like, what happened? Why? What did they? He's like, eh, they just told me not to do it no more. They're not going to get rid of me. That's kind of how he was about it. Not so, true, though. So, so he, do you think he was mistaken himself and just didn't know? Or do you think I, he was enjoying that still or keeping think, the, the fraud up? Haha, I won. I think that was the, like, I'm too <laughs> important here, you know? They yeah. won't have to go without me is kind of how he was. And with that attitude given to all of us, there may have been another phone call made to Andrea about somebody walking around the house. Right. Bragging, bragging. that changed all that. And then she was actually on her way home for the evening, done with work for the day, probably happy to be done with all this. And she comes back to the house, gets Josh, and we don't see him again for two more days. And at this point, he's going home. And then they don't multiple tell violations. We don't know that until Dave Navarro says it, you know, live while we're recording. Right. Did anybody suspect it? Or were you guys kind of like, yeah, no, he must, he's I got the ticket. We were suspecting it. And a lot of us strategically were, this is absolutely a way to get one of the strongest guys out of the house. You know what I mean? Like, okay. This Actively is working towards it. And when, um, I'm trying to think. I, Angel and Mark, I believe. Uh, so long ago. I know Mark was on Josh's side. Hmm. A couple people did take Josh's back on it, but most of us were kind of like, I was pissed about the cell phone thing. Yeah. You know, on those flash challenges, we're not supposed to have any, you know, reference material. This is all out of your head, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're out in the middle it- of a feet. If you went back, would you, uh, knowing this, would you make any changes and would you bend the rules in any way? If there were, you know, would you actually recognize that the rules that you're confined by are actually only in the contract that you sign before each challenge? And so everything else is up to, you know, your control possibly. Yeah, um, I think, I don't know. I definitely different um that's the I, I still think i would stay within the rules just for like the integrity amongst my peers you know that's yeah. kind of like, big that's important to me um like you know you post a picture of a tattoo you did on instagram it's awesome when people like it it blows up or whatever but what i really get excited about is when i see uh chris blinston tattoos likes your photo or you know what i mean like all mm-hmm. of when i other tattooers go man you killed that piece or the one random night i was playing fucking call of duty with dave tevanoff mm-hmm. completely out of the blue and he goes dude he's uh he's like that storm shadow tattoo you did was sick and i'm like holy shit you see my instagram like to me like artist awesome. like it and it made me feel so good because like that imposter said i just like dave's a phenomenal artist and and it's like wow that is he guy. still tattooing or is he just working with Marvel now? I haven't talked to Dave. I, he... that's been the last times I talked to him, that was during COVID when we all just sat home and played video games. Okay. <laughs> um, I believe that he was I... doing something with Marvel. Yeah, he did. He definitely got some licenses for some of the things he was doing and he's phenomenal. Okay. But uh, yeah, he complimented that one tattoo ever. And we've only met like a handful of times. I don't know the man well at all. And he gave me that compliment and it blew my mind and like you know a million and one people can tell me how good that tattoo is 
but that's the one that makes me go, holy shit, I'm good at what I do. You know? <laughs> right. So my opinion. And it's from the my- one that seems to mean the most because of the <laughs> yeah. level of respect that you give to that person because or that you see going to that person. Yeah. It's somebody that I look up to so much. Like, dude, it's like, dude, I want to be like you and you're giving me the compliment. You know, that's kind of how mm-hmm. I I follow. Tevin is one of those motherfuckers too. Is uh his line work, his coloring, shading, his imagination. Yeah, and and he's so fast with it, you know. Like <laughs> when um this natural ability, you know. I mean, there's a lot that, to do, but do you, do you feel that your own progression as a tattoo artist then? was sped up by ink masters competition um oh yeah a thousand percent um when this you know as you you alluded to earlier with ink master competition they always you know constantly beat in your head this is not a class we're not teaching you how to tattoo um i learned more in those couple of months in that house than i did through my entire apprenticeship mm-hmm. uh, I mean, one of my things they even have it in like my Ink Master bio was, you know, came from a failed apprenticeship. Um, that's not you the word. But you I didn't pass your apprenticeship. Yeah, exactly. Like that's a it's a weird way to put it. Um, I went. I I did an apprenticeship under a guy that wasn't a great tattoo artist. You know, right. that's kind of what I put it as. Like a lot of what I do, what I know now, like even when I knew when I was working under him, like he didn't know. Not right, it didn't come from him, and and you don't want to yeah. necessarily put that credit on to him because yeah. it really belongs to people who deserved it. Yeah, like uh, other guys that I worked with there, and a guy named mm-hmm. Jeff Spagna was another artist in that shop. Was like taught me ten times more than my actual mentor did, and um, also like my mother. My mother's a phenomenal artist. You know, that's how I I grew up drawing and painting because of her. Like we were super poor little kids what's a what's a cheap way to keep kids entertained here's a paper and pencil here's some crayons go leave me alone draw you know that's what yeah i think a lot of us know that one yeah yeah (laughs) and i was grounded a lot my my parents way of punishing me was go in your room with no tv no nothing but you have all that art stuff in there so i spent a lot of a lot of time in my room drawing that's where i young don pedagogy getting grounded for um just back talk. I was never a bad kid. Just my parents were very strict. Back talk. Back talk. Oh yeah. Just if they told me to do something, I was like, I don't want to. Or my parents are big on no. They like saying no a lot. They didn't always have good reason. Like, hey, can I go over? <laughs> my- no. <laughs> With them, well, why not? Well, doesn't that make you a good uh, yeah negotiator real quick? Or, yeah. or was there no logic either applied to that no? logic either because it was like well why can't i and it's just because i fucking said so my parents right. just love that because i said so and i literally now i just go sit in my room and like well now what why couldn't i go to med and a lot of time my parents were literally just, just i don't feel like saying yes so right. so i would argue that constantly like give me one reason because my boss like, was a dick to me today okay exactly it's exact <laughs> my parents are very angry people <laughs> Oh, that sucks, man. Do you think that's why you strive to keep this consistent kind of, you know, mean, not too uh, high, not too I'm, low? I'm, yeah, I'm seeing it even more and more so now, especially like my parents are, they've been together for 40 years and they still fight and bicker. Like, 
you know, old married couple constantly. And mm-hmm. I've spent less time over there because of this. And even one of my children, like, will look at me and like roll their eyes and something. It's like, all right, it's time to go. Right. Grandma and top pop up and, you know, they're getting angry at each other. So now it's time to go. <laughs> and then you guys leave and the fight turns to now you made them go. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> you barely see your grandkids at all. And then you start yeah. acting like it, it wasn't me. It was you. They hate you and now you fucking start doing. Uh, and I think that's why I'm so just like vibe out like hippie. Like I don't want any negativity around me anymore. I grew mm-hmm. up with my entire life. Like. Oh. Hello. Hello. Well, I'm losing. I'm losing you. Yeah. Well, Doc, I'm, I'm headed to jujitsu now. So I was gonna say it better be fucking four o'clock. It better. Be, we're four hours into this bitch, brother. Uh, did anybody ever talk tell you that you're long winded? Um. Yes. Very much so. <laughs> let me let you go before you end up getting pinned to the mat, and I'm still on the phone with you, brother. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I really appreciate your uh, behind the scenes perspective and your long windedness. So, uh, you know, you ever got anything else you want to promote or anything like that? Don't hesitate to do it. Let me uh, also, though, put myself on the hot seat um, after I put you on it and ask you so much about yourself. Is there any question you would have for me? Um, hmm. So. When your conflict with Nunez happened that day, this is one I've always worried. I asked about, and I actually asked one of the security guys that was there that day because I remember seeing him in that scene, and he hey. gave me a whole story about how you actually clocked Nunez and all this. And I somehow I still didn't believe it, but <laughs> mm-hmm. that was the one thing that I've always worried, and I've uh, always wondered, and I never like just wanted to ask you about. But fuck it, here we are. <laughs> Well, I never punched him. No, I didn't clock yeah, him. I, I didn't think so. But that's what the security guard was like. Yeah, he definitely hit him. And hmm. I was like, really? like, because everybody was like, "Hey, we know you. You were in that scene with him. Like, you were pulling him apart or whatever." Was it? Was it a bigger? Actually, Pat lost some weight. Um, he was it an older guy or was it one of the younger ones? I feel like it was one of the old. He was the one in my ear, like, "Hey, man, you got a wife and kids." Yeah. Yeah, no, I never, I never hit him. I've, I've, uh, yeah. on my website, I've got. Hold on, it just got really quiet for some reason. Oh shit! Hold on, I can, can barely you hear, me? hear you for some reason. My phone got really quiet. <laughs> Turn Bluetooth off. You hear me now? I'll keep talking so that you can. Uh... It's like the speaker phone got turned off or something somehow. I don't even know you could do that on a Zoom call. Is there a mute? Oh, well, let let me finish up. Well, you can't hear it, so I'm just talking to a wall. Ah. Yeah, I, I can hear you, but it's just it's not playing speakerphone anymore for whatever reason. I have to hold it. The phone oh, you might. Head. It's saying, "Hey, man, I'm gonna cut my battery life on you because you guys are right. long, <laughs> fucking winded." That's what it's saying. No, I, I mean, um, yeah, I'd never punched him on my on my website. I've got the video down, and I actually didn't feel it then, but he pushed me first so the first person that was assaulted was was me and i did get um i reached for him a couple of times 
I started to get a hold of him. You know, I've, I've got a hop keto and, and jujitsu background too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was kind of preparing for that. He had that big old woolly sweater on. Yeah. And, but I never got any punch on. Really? I didn't want to do jail time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But they, <laughs> they stood there and uh, I, I want to say it was a few of us were like, Hey, so what really happened with that? And he, and he might've just been doing it just to, Oh, I, I love it. No, I'm to so give happy. Us a, I should to make a smile to give us something. He was like, oh, yeah, he definitely hit him. I should def I should kind of look at I should uh, appreciate, you know, embellishing the story is what makes it live on forever. Absolutely. So I applaud it. Hey, thanks for I being know. a part of this, man. Go tap yeah, somebody I'll, out. Anybody that tells me, I'll tell them you drug them to the ground and choked them out or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going for. Yes, sir. Take care, Don. Hey, one last thing. Give us your Instagram account. And, uh, uh, well, I guess not your fans, your only fans page anymore. Yeah. But, um, but when you come, when you drop it, come back on here. We'll, we'll, we'll promote the shit out of that. We'll do it. Uh, <laughs> we'll do it with a video or like, uh, I'll do a slideshow prepared for it. And oh, I, no, they're going to be expecting too much. Don't get, don't, right? don't get me banned from YouTube. Oh, no, there's, there's going to be a, <laughs> there's going to be a fee though. A prescription, a subscription oh. fee. But, no, oh, I uh, see. The next time I have you on here, then we'll be talking about that. But I'll be owing you. But, like a monthly. Yes, my, uh, my <laughs> all of my social medias are under the same thing. It's a little bit harder to name the spell than Kyle Dunbar, but it's uh, Don Pedicord Art, P E D D I C O R D. Art is all of my social medias, so everything: Facebook, Instagram. Snapchat, TikTok, all of the above. You know, you can find all of my stuff. Easy for there. a Google then too. Absolutely, you Google the same. You just Google Don Pedicord and everything comes up. Actually, I just started my own Etsy store as well, selling prints and things like that. But um, actually, I'm activating that today. I just set it. I was going to say I didn't see that today. I was just searching yeah. you, and I, I saw actually, the only uh, fans, but not the. I I, I did the. <laughs> Not I, to Etsy. I didn't know you was making. Maybe you was making dildos, right? like Don Pedicard <laughs> dildos. I mean, that we could do that. Um, you ain't scared I'll of put, it, huh? I have to put two of them together to sell them, but uh. oh, just uh, <laughs> you can have the Aaron is version and just do exactly, a, a, the yeah. extended version. <laughs> but yeah, all um, right. I yeah, that's all. Don Pedicord art is everything. Uh, and, all right, I appreciate it, brother. That sounds funny too. Don Pedicord <laughs> art is everything. Art yeah, is everything. Yeah, Don't forget my Etsy store. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, you owe me for that then. So that's what I'll get the free appearance from that. We'll just write 1, it off that way. Now you owe me yes, a favor. Yes, sir. <laughs> Take care, brother. Thank you all so right, much brother. for doing this, man. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Later.